Hey everyone, it's Game Face episode 125. We're a quarter of a way to 200. Yeah. The time's just a flying on by. Getting there. Today. A, a mere year and a half. <laughs> yeah, that's what it should take. Uh, today is 420. For those of you who are inclined, have a great 420. Um, I had floated the idea of bringing something in to uh, do one of our last shows here. <laughs> In the studio. But we wisely thought that the Hitler's birthday thing was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, those of you who care, hope you're having a great 420. Hope all of you guys are having a great Friday night. Uh, we are back on our normal day and time, and I think mm -hmm. we're gonna, probably going to stay here for the foreseeable future. If for some reason you've decided to stop playing God of War and watch us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll get to God of War, absolutely, uh, in this episode. It's going to be a big part of the episode. I didn't wear this for nothing. Yeah, exactly. So Matt is wearing his God of War sweatshirt. He's like wearing the band, the band t-shirt to the concert. Actually, maybe you should stand up and kind of show them, or at least, yeah. So well, I have this... might make the microphone go crazy, but we can, yeah. we can do the hood. Chesley. Yeah. <laughs> I have that it's same from, sweatshirt. Yeah, it's from God of War 3. Yep. And uh, I was wearing it the other day. I didn't totally, totally didn't realize I'm wearing this sweatshirt. I go to wash my hands in the bathroom. I look in the mirror and I'm like, I am playing God of War while wearing a God of War sweatshirt. <laughs> Seems pretty weird. Uh, but yeah, we'll be talking about God of War later on in the show. Um, we actually have a great show today. Lots of great topics. Uh, some interesting stuff happened this week. Like we'd tell you if we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, we actually, we're pretty honest. Here and there. Here and there. <laughs> uh, but we do have a great show today. I think we have like nine topics, as most we've had for quite a while. We'll probably spend a little bit less time on each topic than we usually do. Some of you people <laughs> may be happy about that. Famous last words. <laughs> no, my famous last words is, I think this episode's only going to be about an hour, an hour yeah. and a half, and then it never is. I can make anything three hours. Yeah. You know that. <laughs> I am going to try to keep things moving along today, because we have a lot of stuff to get to, and we are going to keep it to our usual time. So, and some of this stuff is probably not the, the deepest subjects, because yeah, yeah. yeah. it's just sort of news item right. things. Yeah, so uh, we'll be jumping a lot more quickly than we usually do in this episode. And uh, again, hope you're having a great Friday night. Let's get on with the show. We're going to talk first about something I never thought would ever happen, Matt. Um, it was leaked this week that Call of Duty Black Ops 4 will not have a campaign. So is that, like, for real? Like, we know that? Or well, I'll like put it to you this way, it's Matt. It's just a reliable so, rumor? Or? So when stuff like this comes out, if it's not true, the publisher or the developer mm. will come out and say, oh, no, 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 no that's no. baloney. That has not happened. Right. That is, and it's been so, yeah. so five days. So the rumor days. is, like, no campaign and Battle Royale mode well, I think, from Raven? I think Battle Royale is just an assumption. Everything's going to have it now. Yeah. Um, in fact, one of the topics I had originally had on the rundown for today's show that was cut because we had enough already was that Battlefield Five is working on a Battle Royale mode. Mm -hmm. I think we can just assume that every shooter from yeah. here on out, until people get tired of it... If a game gonna, has a gun in it, there's probably going to be a Battle Royale There's going to be a Battle Royale mode. mode. So in that, fact, I'm waiting for the For Honor Battle Royale update at this point. <laughs> which I... Which it, I would try. It, yeah, I would, I would too, because at least it's something different, right? Yeah. Um, so... If, me, Battle, Battle, if Battlefront 2 could do it with the Star Starfighter thing, I would be interested. Yeah, that would, <laughs> that would <laughs> be, be some crazy. nice chaos. That's absolutely. Um, so I don't think really the big story is that it's getting Battle Royale. Now, if they're right. saying, if ultimately it comes out that they swapped out the campaign for a Battle Royale mode, one, I don't, would, don't no, think... I, I feel like that would be... I think that's complete. Different fooey. teams, yeah. and also, like, the timing's wrong. Yeah, like, that would never be the reason why. You'd have, have to have scrapped campaign. a campaign that would have been a year and a half long to switch to Battle Royale mode. Yeah, if there's no campaign in this game, this is a, a decision that was made a while ago. Yeah. They're not going to work on a campaign for two and a half years, three years, and yeah, then I, I feel it. like you can probably target the games-as-a-service idea more than... Yeah, you because know, the multiplayer is kind of seen where the where the money is at this point, 
the main problem I have with that, I mean, other than the fact that I prefer campaigns over multiplayer, is uh, not that I was particularly interested in Black Ops 4. Well, we haven't seen it yet. Right. Also, I don't like the Black Ops games very much. But right. like this, to me, is like okay, Black Ops is like, Black Ops is the top selling it is. Call of Duty sub brand, right? Yeah. So you just slap Black Ops on this thing and hope it sells like the other ones did. And it's like I think a more a larger chunk of the audience for Call of Duty likes the campaign than maybe they're giving them credit for. I think Activision gets a lot of sales from the campaign mm -hmm. um those players typically i don't think stick around very long so no. they're not a part of ultimately a part of the the new business call of model. duty right the call of duty yeah. ecosystem the the game as a service model that mm -hmm. has become so prevalent um so but i do think the thing you have to show your shareholders to make them happy it, now absolutely yeah but i think this is a huge mistake uh you you say you don't like black ops uh, black ops i love it is my favorite mm -hmm. call of duty franchise Everyone that's come out has been my favorite Call of Duty, save for maybe the first, you know, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, which just completely flipped the script and, like, blew my mind the first time I saw it. But since that first release, typically the Black Ops games have been my favorites, not just the campaigns, but also the multiplayer and the way that, that uh, they hand, the Treyarch handles the multiplayer. Um, so I'm, I, I wouldn't say that I'm personally all that disappointed that the campaign is being removed because, honestly, the last couple Call of Duties... Even Black Ops 3, I really had to fight to get through the campaign. Mm -hmm. Like, my honeymoon with Call of Duty has been over for quite a while. Um, now, Infinite Warfare's campaign was pretty great. Yeah. And it's a shame if this is a precedent that we're going to see going forward forever um, that we won't be able to get campaigns like Infinite Warfare again going forward. Well, it's like, I guess the way, one way to put it would be like, like if they decide, if they've decided, if Activision has decided that that is not, uh, you know, worthwhile use of the amount of money, you know, that because those campaigns must cost a lot of money. It, uh, to and make. It, look, it has all the data. Yeah. More than anyone. I mean, they have those. They know. They know exactly how many people finish the campaign, how much people play of it, what percentage. And who knows of their how granulated they're they're making this decision on? Where you know, like Infinite Warfare didn't do well. I know they they probably consider that definitely a failure of some oh, yeah. of some kind. Absolutely. Um, and then I, I needed more space on my hard drive for, for God of War uh, to install, and I deleted World War II, Call of Duty World War II because I'm like, when am I ever going to go back to that? Yeah. Like, well, if, if you're not going to play the multiplayer. Play multiplayer what, I, mean, I, I mean, I never got more than a third through the campaign. I just I didn't see a reason to keep going. I ended up finishing the campaign, but I had to really, really fight to get through that campaign. I mean, like, I, in the, actually, in the end, I went back and I did play Infinite Warfare's campaign a second time yeah. instead on a it's, harder it's difficulty. Good. It's really, it's really good. good. I love it. I love it. To, I love that game. One of my favorite Call of Duty campaigns, but uh, apparently I'm one of the the the, the few. <laughs> well, I don't know if you are the few. It's it's an interesting decision. Um, look, we know that the majority of people buy Call of Duty for multiplayer. That is how much of a majority I don't know, but it's not a surprise to mm -hmm. me that most people who buy it buy it because they're going to end up yeah. playing it for and the it next. It didn't used 12 to months. be that way. I remember in the Modern Warfare Two Black Ops Two era. Like some of the they, they released some numbers and they basically like like seventy percent of the people who bought bought the games just played the campaign. Yeah, and finished it. Yeah, which is very rare. And I mean, maybe dabbled with multiplayer, but they were not there for the multiplayer. They were there for the story and the campaign, and the co-op actually because co that was when co-op was a big yeah. deal. Yeah, and obviously that has shifted tremendously in the in intervening uh, what eight years or so since then. Well, I mean the data for finishing campaigns has never been great. Like if mm. you go back even to the original Gears of War, I remember Cliff Blazinski saying that that thirty percent of people who play Gears finish the campaign, and that campaign was like seven or eight hours long. That's actually pretty good. Like the usual number is twenty. 
Well, I finished Nino Cooney 2, and at the end, you get a trophy for finishing mm. the game, and I went and looked at the rarity of it, and it was rare at 21%. Yeah, 20% is about your, your expected number yeah. for how many people will finish the, a, a game. And I guess if you look at it from that angle, if... That's why you polish the first third more than the last two Absolutely, thirds. yeah. Because most people are only going to see that part. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at it from that perspective, it does kind of make business sense for... For them to, I don't know if it makes business sense for them to cut it, but you can mm. kind of understand it a little bit. Well, it's partly maybe an experiment just to see if it impacts anything directly. You know, like just to see like, oh, what if we don't put it, put this expensive thing that only 20% of people even finish in here and see if it sells just fine and that saves us a lot of money and still gets us the sales. Plus with the games as a service model that they might be trying to shift to, um, you know, that could be a much more lucrative outcome. Uh, and you just kind of got this permanent black ops platform to build on. Well, then the question becomes, you know... What differentiates these things from now on? Right, yeah. Just like and, what, you and then, you'll end up with like a Black Ops platform and a, you know advanced future warfare platform and a World War II platform. And those are your three Call of Duty games. They're pillars. And then the other question is, do you need the three studios making games anymore? Mm. Because they have these three different factions of teams that are making the games to make sure that a game comes out every year but they still have the two to three year mm. cycle so that they're quality. With a bunch of other studios supporting them as well. Like, I mean, oh, that's all, if, you, if you're a studio in, you know, in servitude to Activision, that's basically all you do. Oh, absolutely. And do they need that anymore now? I mean, you should be able to make a new multiplayer suite in a year. You shouldn't, I mean, that's really, the campaign mm. is really where a lot of the time and the money in development yeah. comes in because you're licensing so much stuff for these campaigns. You're paying all these pop culture folks to come in and star mm -hmm. in the campaign. You're paying people for voice where all this stuff that you won't need anymore if you only do multiplayer. And clearly none of that stuff really moves the needle anymore. And I wonder too if like it takes the shine off of the game. I mean, you start thinking about like the marketing, the TV commercials, the trailers. Mm -hmm. What do you show? To get people excited about well, the game. You, you do a couple of CG trailers and... and you know, of people shooting people each other, shooting each other and doing cool takedowns and stuff. Like, I mean, most of this stuff can be, can be you know, replicated in, in multiplayer, except for some of the big buildings exploding. Maybe you add a mode, like an assault-style mode, where, like, you get to blow up big stuff and, like, you know, like, like, you know, you know, like the... Like the rush gameplay mode in, uh, yeah. in uh, or the war mode in World War Two, yeah. Um, like stuff like that that has kind of like where when you lose a checkpoint or defend a checkpoint, like a big set piece moment happens, and you can use like different camera angles of that to, to be a commercial. There's a very fine line between bravery and stupidity, and to me, Activision and Treyarch are walking on that line right now. I don't know. I I I mean, I'm not pleased with the decision because if they get rid of the campaign that means I'm never buying another Call of Duty game again. Right and see like, I think a lot of people feel that way and the other part too is I think they're just hoping that there's enough people that only care about the multiplayer and will then be invested in it as a platform as a service sort of thing that they'll make up for the people like me who aren't interested anymore. How do you sell the game for $60 Matt? I don't know. And if you can't is this the first step towards Call of Duty becoming a free-to-play game? I can't really see Activision ever doing that. But imagine trying to sell a multiplayer suite. Eh, 30 bucks maybe. I mean, yeah. I mean, do you think people will buy this for $60 if all it has is multiplayer? I don't know. I have no idea. You wouldn't. I wouldn't, no. 
But like, what if you know? What if you? What I if, wouldn't. What if they do a Fortnite thing? What if it's like thirty bucks for the for the whole thing, but the battle royale mode's free? But if you buy the game, you get a bunch of bonus stuff. Yeah, I mean, we find you out. The, use the Fortnite model. We find out in less than a month. They're unveiling Black mm-hmm. Ops Four, I believe, on like May twenty first or something. Typically, right. It's also, before E3. it's also kind of weird to me because like the way they had structured the logo, you know, where they used just the the four, the four tally bars, marks. Yeah. And so, like I thought, like oh, that's representing like the four pillars of the game, where you've got campaign, right. you've got multiplayer, yeah. you've got zombies, and now you've got battle royale. Yeah. And like I thought, that's what they're going to do with that, but apparently not. No. Okay. So, what's your prediction, Matt, on how successful this is going to be? I mean, do you think that it will? Uh, to me. I don't see any way it generates more revenue now than Red Dead Redemption 2 before the end of the year. Um, well, I think that depends on Red Dead Redemption 2, 2's uh, online it'll sl- depend on the Obviously, it'll depend stuff. on the price, too, of Black Ops 4. If it does mm-hmm. end up being a $40 game or a $30 game, you're losing half of your revenue off of each sale. But you spent less money to make it. Yeah. A lot less money to a make it. A lot less, yeah. So, I don't know. Like I, I mean... I don't like to give Activision credit where I don't have to, but like they are one of the most calculating publishers yeah, in absolutely. the world, particularly like, with this franchise. Yeah, so if they if this is their plan, they know something. Maybe they know something we don't, but I I don't think they would have come to this decision lightly. No, absolutely not. It's like when people say, "Oh, EA is just flying by the seat of its pants." Oh no, it's not. No, it is using intense data to make every little decision it makes, and Activision is the same way. Uh, none of these people fly blind before they make decisions. So. In some ways, I am putting a little bit of a trust of my trust in Treyarch and Activision that it knows what it's doing. But at the same time, to me, it seems pretty insane. Mm-hmm. The, the other part, too, is like, what was Treyarch doing for the last three years if there's no campaign in the game? I don't know. What was it doing? <laughs> maybe, maybe finally we have a developer who could actually work like a 40-hour week and release a game. Hmm. Maybe. They've been doing it for a while. Yeah. I mean... Crunch is pretty typical at Treyarch when it's wrapping up a Black Ops mm-hmm. game. And so I'm um, maybe, I don't know, maybe Activision is just an amalgamation of all this stuff, all coming to fruition in one release. The changing market, um, the pressures from developers to not want to have these god-awful work-life balances anymore, um, the financial viability of spending all this money on a campaign that a small percentage of people play and an even smaller percentage of those people ever finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe just all that data is just pointing all into the direction of this. But I was shocked to hear this news, undoubtedly shocked. Because um, if this continues, they'll never... That's the other thing. So Call of Duty games have had cultural touch points in them. No Russian. Mm-hmm. Those are things that get people talking and it helps... Call of Duty becomes something more than a video game. Um, and if you don't have those moments in your game anymore, your chances of that ever happening again are zero. None. Although, to be fair, No Russian was nine years ago. It was, yeah. Like, Call of Duty's campaigns have not really been relevant to the, to the overall conversation for a long time. And now you go back to some of them and they're just sort of embarrassing in places. Um, they are, yeah, absolutely. Especially, especially the inclusion of Kevin Spacey at yeah. one point. That, that didn't age too well. <laughs> Um, or like either, either like you know, like you've got a guest guest appearance like that that just kind of goes ooh now, considering what what's come out since then. Right. And then, um, especially when you consider like so, so Kevin Spacey is the big villain in a game that's like targeted tremendously at like you know young and teen boys. It's yeah. Like, there's a there's a whole bad yeah, there... series, like, <laughs> whole horrible confluence of coincidences there. Yeah. Um, and then, like, you've got something like Kit Harrington in Infinite Warfare, who clearly must have cost something. Yeah. Um, and was awful. 
Yeah, like, he was. Yeah. I mean, not that he is awful, but like he, that character just didn't work. It didn't fit. And every time I saw him, I was like, it's John Snow in a spacesuit. Like, it's yeah. like that's all I could think of. Like, it's just, yeah. it was. I mean, they did a really good job making it look like him, but all I could think is like, John Snow's in a spacesuit. I don't, I don't get it. I How think do you that's. Get here? I think that's something that he's going to be dealing with for the yes. rest of his career. Yes. Unfortunately for him, but. Well, I'm assuming lose. he made his money very well off oh, of Game of Thrones. But just lose the facial hair, and I think he'll yeah. be okay. But yeah. then I don't think anyone will care about him. If he doesn't look like Jon Snow, does anyone care? Oh, he'll get he'll get there. <laughs> we'll see. He'll uh, get there. But like I said, not long to wait. We should uh, get the full unveiling of Black Ops 4 in the next four weeks. Uh, May 20th or 21st is when the big unveiling happens. So not long to wait, but a scoop nonetheless. And uh, I have to say, I hope it's wrong. Because I do feel like Call of Duty still has the, the opportunity to, because of how much money they've mm -hmm. put into the campaign, it has at least the opportunity to, to surprise. It would it definitely be weird to, time, like, but... slap Black Ops on it and not continue that Black Ops world. Yeah, because that also, well, I guess... And I even say that as someone who doesn't care about yeah. the Black Ops world. It's like, it, it feels, that, that is a level of cynicism of just like, oh, we'll put Black Ops on this and you idiots will buy it. Like, that yeah. is really kind of... Well, the other thing, too, rankling. is that continuity has never been a strong suit of the Call of Duty franchise. No. Like, Black Ops has throwbacks that, yeah, they are tangentially yeah, there's connected. there's always a Captain Price somewhere. Right. And uh, Modern Warfare has some villains that seem to be at least mentioned yeah. in every uh, what, game. What, Modern Warfare 1, 2, and 3 are very strongly connected to yeah. each other. Um, you know, you're, you're continuing through that same team and Soap and yep. Price and all, the, and those, all those guys, but... Um, Black Ops seemed to be more of a theme yeah, than, a, than yeah. a story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There are, if you go and dig, you can find people who have gone and tied oh, sure. all the games together yeah. and all that. But it's very if there can be a If there can be a Zelda timeline, there can be a timeline for anything. Absolutely. it's <laughs> a good point. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about a... Man, I don't even know how to intro this topic. Yeah. So, there's a group called the Bully Hunters that just were announced last week. Um, it is a .org. Their website was .org. Oh, nonprofit. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are saying that they feel like this was a for-profit venture. There's enough marketing behind it. Yeah. And essentially, Bully Hunters was formed to stop bullying online in games, multiplayer games. And it all, it all stems from Counter-Strike Go. And a lot of female players who play Counter-Strike Go feel like they're being harassed more than other games. Um, although, who knows if that's actually true. Um, and so what they've done is they started this .org where you can go to their website and say you're a player. I don't think you have to be a female. You could be any player. But if you're getting harassed online while playing Counter-Strike Go, you can go to their website. And you can essentially hire a hitman to <laughs> come into your game and then basically annihilate the person who's been bullying you. Um, they put out an announcement trailer explaining what they were doing, and then they did like a debut live stream. Now keep in mind, this organization is backed by a marketing company in Chicago, the Steel Series company, mm -hmm. and a couple other pretty big gaming-related companies were footing the bill for this, so to speak. Um, then they had their debut stream, which you're seeing highlights of right now, where they actually tried to show their organization at work. And being kind, I would say, it didn't appear to be legit. Um, they tried to have a live case where somebody got harassed, they contacted the bully hunters, 
The bully hunter went into the game and annihilated the other the player who was harassing the player, and it ended up looking really staged and fake. Um, like, a, like a Ubisoft demo? Yeah, one of those, <laughs> one of those type deals. Um, just by looking at this live stream, you can tell that there is some money behind oh, yeah. this organization. Obviously, their set is better than the set that we're sitting on oh, right there's, now. There's really nice lighting. There's a fog machine in there somewhere. There's like, a it's... studio audience. There yeah. are like 20 PC Those are some nice stations. microphones. Yeah, like... all of it. Um, and so what happened was, when this came out, obviously there was revolt against it online. Mm. Um, I'm not sure why there was revolt. I don't know. But like, I'm, I think their heart's in the right place. Like, right. I, I like the idea. I feel like it's maybe. Do you like the idea? Look, I like. I agree with you. Their heart is in the right place. Meaning, yes, we need to stop bullying female gamers when they're playing online. They should be able to go and play just like anyone else and not get harassed. Although I would say, everybody gets harassed online. It's not yeah. just a female problem. It's far worse for them in a lot of cases. So I agree with you. Especially like, in gaming. Yeah. Especially. Why? I have no freaking clue. It blows my mind. Why would you not want more girls to play games? Because doesn't that just create an ecosystem of potential girlfriends for you where somebody could actually enjoy your hobby with you? Well, that's also part of the problem is thinking of them as potential girlfriends and not just people. Oh, yeah, I guess. Um, so I agree with you. Like, whatever you can do to try to curb the harassment, great. To me, their idea was absolutely terrible, though, because you're essentially saying, hey, this person is harassing this female player, and, it's, and this, now this female player is, is hiring someone to come and harass them in the game. So you're basically playing the two wrongs making a right card with this. Mm. I don't care about that so much. My issue with it is more that... Um... The biggest, you know, one of the one of the end goals of bullying is to get attention out of it and to, you know, assert some kind of power and to then have this person come, this other person come in to target you as a result of this. Are you getting what you want? Is to basically be like, hey, um, like it worked. Right. And then like you, op I think you open up the, you know, whoever the, the person that called Bully Hunter, like you're opening them, you know, if they figure out who called them on them. Like you're opening up even, you know, you could escalate the harassment. Like you, that's, that's, you know, someone could get angry enough or, or crazy enough to like escalate stuff to the real world, um, which is a thing that happens shockingly often. Yeah. Um, it's uh, like, I like the, the kind of the vigilante justice idea of it, partly maybe because I'm just a Batman fan, but like, it feels like the negative potential consequences are like really tangible. Uh, not just in the sense of like, oh, two wrongs for me. Oh, screw it. Like, you got to punch the bully sometimes. Like, who cares? No, you do. Like, I don't care. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and I know that nowadays you both get suspended for that, but in my day, you won. Yeah. And uh, it was um, it was a different world. But um, <laughs> it really was. <laughs> and it wasn't even all that long ago. Yeah, but uh, like I like I like the concept, but I just don't think it it would it would work very well in practice. And then the, of course the other nightmare scenario is like, what if you hire the guy, the person to come in, and they're not better than the bully? Well, <laughs> so they they're opaque about their screening process mm -hmm. on how they hire the players who will go in. Well, also, how do you know this. it's really happening? Like, they come into your game, and their gamer tag is always bully hunters, and then mm -hmm. a number afterwards. And then once the bully hunter kills the offender, they have some kind of prefabbed statement that they put in the chat saying, like, 
somebody who's called me to come in mm. and like settle your ass down. What I'm saying is like, what if like you know the people that hate bully hunters start hiring bully hunters right. to go just hit random people? You know, well swatting. Right. They'll start swatting like with bully hunters. <laughs> oh. there, there's no. I just feel like I can, there's very little you can do in terms of this kind of organization that is going to not be exploitable by the people you're trying to stop. No, you're right. You know what I mean? The crazy part to me is, presumably, who they thought this through before they came up with the idea. Well, there's clearly a lot of people behind it. Like, this not only have, that. This went through a lot of meetings. Right. That's what I was going to say. They sat in meetings with all these sponsors, with tons of people who were in. Nobody said, hey, this is a bad idea. It is a bad idea. Or they just decided that the... Negatives didn't outweigh the potential positives. Like I don't, I don't know what the thought process is on but, that. But I mean, so what is the end? This goal? just seems like a really strong backfire potential to me. I mean, the end goal is to stop harassment, right? Right. How in a million years would you think that this would stop harassment? Because look, whoever is the guy who's being or girl who's being a total douchebag to someone else playing online, how is going into a game and annihilating them going to make things better? It won't. It just makes it worse. They're just going to get more angry, and their, their outburst is going to be even worse than it would have been if you had just left them alone. Like, I don't see any angle of this that was a good idea. Again, and I, I still think that two wrongs never make a right, and that's what you're doing here. You're going in and then trying to harass some other player because they harassed you. I just don't think that that ever ends with a good result. Um, well, it depends. Like... You know, some, yeah, but the problem here, I don't think, is the two wrongs making a right thing. I think the problem here is that it's not a real-world consequence. You know, it's, right. like, it's like the same argument. It's like, well, you know, it doesn't. You know, it, why why should you know the cops be able to arrest somebody because that's just you know you know being mean to them too? It's like, well, you gotta you gotta enforce order somehow. But like, there's no real-world consequence to being annihilated in a video game by a guy who got hired to, to shoot at you in the game. Like, it's just going to make I, well, the person on the other end of the computer angrier and angrier. I uh, agree with that. Whereas, like, the reason that people back down from a situation like that in real life is because they don't want to get hurt. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, like, think, about, think, think about, like, the Guardian Angels gang in New York back in the, back in the 70s and 80s, if anyone's old enough to remember that. Yeah. You, I'm sure you remember that because you were oh, East yeah, Coast. absolutely. Yeah. But, like, you know, they would stand around on the, or they were literally a gang, a vigilante gang that would stand around on subway cars in New York City, and if shit, shit went bad, they'd get involved. Yeah. And, but they were a biker gang, too. Like, yeah. they would, they were basically a private security company. Yeah. Is what it really comes down to. Because they would go to concerts without, and all this other stuff. Without all the permits. Right. Yeah. Without, without the legality. Yeah. The illegal part of it. Yeah. Worked great at Altamont. Yeah. Um, Look I think, it up, kids. I mean, one thing I will say is, like, whoever came up with this idea was trying to think outside the box. Because yeah. I think what's happened and what really spawned this is that people are so frustrated because there's no way to stop it. There just isn't. Reporting people... They just go and they change their their username, they change their screen name, they change their gamer tech. There's no way to stop this. And I think this is one of those things where people just became so frustrated over something that they're like, you know what? There's all kinds of flaws in this plan, but we've mm -hmm. got to try to do something. Yeah, let's do, I guess like... <sighs> That's too bad. What's too bad? Just that the bully hunter joined the terrorists. Right, was, yeah. Was, yeah. Was, you would think that if they were going to use I footage, thought, it would have been. I just thought team. that was funny. Yeah. I um, this yeah. is where they're, this is supposed to be the live hit right here. Right. And 
And I guess a lot of people who watch this felt that this there's something about it that, that makes it come off as fake. Well, now it's frozen, so I don't know what is happening here. Well, I, guess so, I guess they're freezing it to show B-roll. Yeah, okay. so what you do is you go to their site, you quote, unquote, hire. You don't have to pay anyone, by the way. It's not like, I just mm -hmm. said hire as, as a phrase. Mm -hmm. You don't actually pay money for it. You go, you hire somebody, you become friends on Steam, and then you invite the bully hunter into the game that you're in. And you let them know, obviously, who the player was, who was harassing you, and then they just go after them. Mm. I mean, it's also kind of indicative more of, like, how poorly actual game companies are handling this kind of yeah. behavior. Yeah, when you, you're at the point where you've got to take it upon yourself. This was, yeah, someone thought this was a way to do this. You know, it's in the same way that Batman says very poor things about the Gotham City Police Department. Right. You so. just reach a, a point of desperation after a while. Yeah. And you're like, what else can we do? We've, if they're not going to solve it... We're going to try to solve it. And I admire that they tried to solve it, but this is not the way. <laughs> There's the, the statement they put out. Harassment mm. is not a game. Um, they look oh, clapping. <laughs> I mean, I that some, looked I, a little fake to me. You had the one guy who's just standing there not moving, and they come up and knife him from behind. Right. Like, it, it I mean, like a demo is a demo. Yeah. Uh, and still still rings a little truer than some of that TeamSpeak chat in oh, yeah. Ubisoft <laughs> games at E3. <laughs> That's um, true. No, I, I mean, I guess, like, they were right in the sense that, you know, we heard about it, we're talking about it. Like, it, it, it made an impact in, in the sense of, like, oh, being, you know, we're aware of all this, these people now. Um, I don't know if that helps their endgame at all. Well, there, there, there is no endgame now. So they, they shut it down? Yeah, they lost all their sponsors. Their website is now gone. Uh, if you go to the URL that you've been seeing on the screen, it's just it's there. goes to, yeah, like a 505 or whatever. It's so. open. Go yeah, grab it. Go grab it. <laughs> <laughs> So it looks like a ton of people put a ton of money into this, and it lasted all of like two or three days. Yep. Um, and is that a win for the people who are harass people online? Does that embolden them, Matt? I don't know. Like I don't. I mean, I have trouble getting into the thought process of someone that like does, that, does that does, in the first does place. Does that as a yeah. as a regular hobby anyway? Right. I mean, which you know might be just a shortcoming of my longstanding inability to really kind of grasp that idea. Like. And I say that as like, you know, and I've had some people say, well, you just don't understand. Like, you know, you don't, you've never understood like why people would be mean. I'm like, I mean all the time. Like, I, 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 but I just don't under, like, that's a different kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. You know? yeah. I mean, everybody's mean. Yeah. That's just human nature. There's a difference between just occasionally getting miffed and being mean to somebody and what these people do to people online. It's a whole other mm -hmm. league. Um, but I think... I think one thing you, you have to realize with something like this is, yeah, it was a bad idea, and yeah, it failed, but it's kind of one of those situations where you just got to keep throwing crap against the wall and see what mm -hmm. eventually sticks. If you're not trying, you're never going to find a solution. Yeah, and I would, I mean, to me, it's, I guess maybe the most positive outcome would be to, to maybe holding up a giant flag that says, hey, game companies, do something. I mean, isn't like, that what they're kind of doing? I guess so, but like... <laughs> I mean, Valve, where's Valve? You, you can't police your game if you're buried in money yeah they can't they're so buried in money they can't see out of it so they can see what's going on they can't see anything being harassed by all these benjamin franklins yeah <laughs> they just won't they just won't let me let me back to my computer i'm yeah. gonna just swim through them like scrooge mcduck i just think this is going to be a problem that's going to continue to be a problem oh yeah Forever until there's and, and women will continue to just like you know not announce their women or pretend to be boys or not use or, voice chat or like and they will or get not it, play games and, or not play games have they will have a, a, a subpar experience compared to the rest of us because 
you know, a subset of people cannot be human beings about it. And so. I mean, that lack of revenue hurts everybody. That's yep. less money going into the industry. That's less money to invest in new game development. It's less money to invest in online infrastructure. It's it kills all of us. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I, I luckily I don't think I've ever met somebody who is this way. And maybe that's part of the problem is that these people aren't meeting anybody. Mm. Um, I just can't understand why people would do this. But you know, and it, it, to your point earlier about they're kind of getting what they want now. They're getting attention, mm -hmm. and that's ultimately probably what they're looking for in the first place. So. I don't know what the solution is. Very frustrating, though. I mean, I'm not even a female, but just knowing that they have female. to go through this, just knowing that they it's have to like go through this crap is insane. Like, imagine just going on and playing a game online and somebody just yelling at you because of your gender. Like, imagine if it was flipped and like we go and play like you dumb dude. Like, if they're just like going off on us because we're guys. Like, it's just we um, can't fathom it because that, we've always been like the privileged right. sex. We, we're very different. That'd be a very different society. It absolutely would, for sure. So, I don't know. I guess I give the thumbs up to bully hunters for what they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I think their plan and their execution was flawed from the beginning, um, and then ultimately their execution doomed them in the end. So, uh, I hope this doesn't discourage somebody else who's out there working on an idea to try to curb this stuff from doing it. I wouldn't. I mean, unless they had the same idea, I don't. Right. Think, I don't think <laughs> yeah, that which, would. I think the chances of that are pretty yeah. slim. So, and some uh, people have said it was like a money grab. It's somehow they were going to generate revenue from this. Yeah, I'm I, not sure where that would come either. from. Or, I mean, I guess I could see it as some kind of publicity stunt, but I don't see what the end game was. It, yeah, I don't... Um, I don't know what... The, if, the, if it was there, it was so opaque that I didn't get it. Yeah, it, so. went, it definitely went over my head if it was ever there in the first place. So I, I don't know why... I don't know why these sponsors got involved and didn't vet the whole process or think the whole process through because I mean, it's I'd not say like... That, I say that all, I think that all the time about anything that happened, you know, any, where people say weird stuff on social media and you're like, do you see what happened to the last four people that said the N-word on a stream? In, like, yeah. like, like what? Why would you say it? Yeah. Why would you, I mean, even if that is something you say all the time in real life and you're a horrible person for that, um, but like... You should at least be smart but, enough like, to know. You gotta know not to just like blurt out ethnic slurs, you know, in in public, uh, you know, in a recordable medium and on Twitter, on Twitter. Like, it's like, it's like, are you not paying attention? Do you not yeah. see what? Do happens you not like all that money you're making from yeah. YouTube or Twitch right now? It's like, isn't that enough for you to like curb your behavior when you go in front of public? I don't get it either. But so, so I don't know. Like, it's uh, it's you'd think that it's in the same. I'm not saying that this was as bad as something like that, but it's just like that thing of like. Did, did you maybe watch kind of social media behavior and trends over the last few months and just sort of say like, hey, if we do something weird like this, there's a good chance that people could freak out and it could backfire. Well, I think um, what's so most surprising to me is that they put out the trailer explaining what they were, and then a couple days later they did the stream. Well, nothing changed from the trailer to the stream. What they talked about in the trailer is exactly what they did in mm -hmm. the stream. And yet, after the stream the sponsors drop them and they're like gone well uh do we do we do they make a statement as to why that happened no like i've I searched all is over is it possible all... that the that the harassing people like went directly after all the sponsors because they saw a bunch of women trying to take charge of something it's possible i don't even know like i don't think <laughs> we i don't so think we sad. have transparency on exactly why they shut everything down no i i don't like i went to the website today and it was gone and i was like what the heck like it's gone already i would seen some of the brush back after the live stream people saying it was like all mm -hmm. it was garbage and it was a hoax or whatever and 
Uh, and I'd seen that. That's the thing is, like, I mean, it does look kind of staged in the oh, presentation, absolutely. but a hoax? Like, yeah. for what? Yeah, why? Like, like I don't yeah. understand what, like, the, the like, usually a hoax is, has, a, has an end game to kind of, like, some kind of financial benefit or some kind of, like, you know, there's some kind of uh, goal that the hoaxer has in mind. Uh, you know, even if it's just you know making a fool. Like they're out saying of a bunch the stream itself was a hoax. It, like they didn't really, it wasn't really working. That it was all staged and pre-recorded and all that stuff. Well, that's I, I guess so, but it's like that. That's that happens. Like that's not really a lot what, more than people want to admit. It's not really what a hoax is. It's not. You know, it's it's. <laughs> and I still still don't get why people are saying, oh, it was a money grab, and they're trying to generate revenue off of this. I don't know where they would I don't get know where money that comes from. This. from. Like. Or unless they mean that organization was a money grab from the sponsors they got, but you'd think that, like, that's kind of on the sponsors. Why do you care whether the sponsors... Well, it's also a .org, which means it can't turn a profit, so... Yeah, people uh, still get paid for working right. at it, though. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, well, I guess you could just write yourself a check for $2 million and be like, that's my salary. In, a, in theory, I mean, there, there are less reputable organizations that do something like that. I don't know if that's the kind of money we're dealing with here. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> I was just being a... Being a little uh, exaggerated. But at the same time, there is kind of a tendency of the internet to accuse anything they don't fully understand immediately as being some kind of insidious conspiracy. No, you're so. right. You're absolutely right. Um, and if you don't have it all buttoned up when you do something like this, then... And if you don't believe me, go look at the look at Twitter uh, discussing the Dark Souls switch delay. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew so many shady characters lurked in the hallways of Bando, Bandai Namco? Yeah, it's a Secretly plotting to annihilate the, the spirits and goodwill of Nintendo fans everywhere. And, and obliterate Nintendo's business. Yes. <laughs> so funny. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about something that might get us fired up, too. Uh, so Konami has been sitting on its IP for, what, has it, what's it been now? Two and a half, three years? Ever since we started Sifted, actually. Because when we started Sifted, Metal Gear Solid Five came out like right after that, and uh, Konami hasn't really released a proper game since then. Uh, we got Bomberman, Super Bomberman R, and that's really the only console game that Konami has released since Metal Gear Solid Five. Well, uh, Pro Evolution Soccer, I guess. And people are like, "What are you doing with Castlevania?" Meanwhile, there are more Castlevania clones than you can shake a stick at. Right. Like every other indie game now is a Castlevania. They made, they made that uh, pachinko game. Right. <laughs> That's true. Pretty good music. Yeah. <laughs> and so people are always wondering, "What's Konami doing with all these IPs it's sitting on?" Well, then this week it finally announced a new Castlevania game, and as it turns out, it's a mobile game, and people are flipping out. It's called uh, Castlevania. Grimoire of Souls. Mm. I'm wondering if that's a nod to the franchise that has kind of borrowed the Castlevania aesthetic over the last five years. What? Soul, the Souls oh. franchise. Yeah. I mean, I, I, always, I think you said it too, the Castlevania, that the Dark Souls is kind of like the modern yeah. Castlevania. I mean, Bloodborne even more yeah. so because of the aesthetic, but uh, yeah. But people are freaking out over this. Why? I honestly don't have a huge problem. I mean, to me... it's not what they wanted. But I can... Playing the Castlevania game on, on a mobile phone doesn't seem all that well, crazy well, to it's me. Well, also, it's not just that it's a mobile game. It's that it's a four-player competitive co slash co-op game that nobody wants. Like, that's not what Castlevania is to anybody. It's like an all-star. All the stars from past Castlevania games are in this mm -hmm. game. I mean, they pretty much did that before with uh, whatever that was on the 360 arcade. Uh, Harmony of Dissonance. Oh, uh, right. Or yeah. Har I don't remember. Harmony of Despair, maybe, or something like that. Um, but it was like a four-player game, uh, and it was like 2D, 2D Castlevania with four-player co-op, and you could pick different characters from the series, and 
you ran around, and it was like basically Iga's like last shot at making something successful before they they canned him. Yeah. Um, and it apparently did not work out, at least not as well as as uh, uh, the Mercury Steam games, and yeah. that was the end of that. Yeah. Um, so it's been done before to some degree. I played a fair amount of that game back in the day. It was not amazing, but it was fine. It was better than nothing. Um, but I th- you know, you also got Castlevania fans are in general going to be more traditional gamers, and they don't want to yeah. play stuff like this on a phone. It's not even the first Castlevania phone game. I mean, I had, I had one that was like a match three game for a while. <laughs> Uh, which also had really good music. It's like a watchword for Castlevania, really good music. But uh, sure. It does kind of make you wonder, though, why Konami wouldn't just make it for Switch. And look, I'm guessing a Switch port is probably already in development. Yeah, I would, I would not be surprised if that... But again, like, if you want to release something like this, it's way easier to put it out on iOS than it is to work with Nintendo and, like, deal cheaper with Cheaper, too. Cheap, much cheaper. You don't have to pay the licensing fees to Nintendo so for every So it could, be, could just be a simple thing, as simple as like, okay, we're going to do this thing on iOS and we'll see if it's successful. We'll, show, you know, we'll hold it up to Nintendo and see if they bite, basically. Um, which they probably will. They need content. But um, it also kind of depends how robust it is. Like, who knows? Like, it could be something you could only really sell on like a digital store. Is it free to play? I don't know if, they would, I don't know if we know that yet. I think it yet. might be. Chances are. I mean, certainly, like, I think... You know, the the free to play model, and you just sell powers or gems or whatever. New characters, or new characters like that. You know, yeah. So it's a four player cooperative when you play the campaign, and there's also a four versus four mm-hmm. multiplayer head to head option. Um, Curious how that works. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's coming pretty soon. Like you can sign up right now to kind of get in the the alpha or the beta. So it shouldn't, I don't think it's that far away. Uh, it shouldn't take too long before we kind of find out what the story is with it. But uh, I don't know. It seems like everyone's up in arms over this, and I'm just kind of like, eh, whatever. It it's, doesn't I think really it's more bother just, me. It's just, you know, a more evidence that, you know, the Konami, Konami's properties are not going to be leveraged in the way that we as, you know, your typical core gamers want them to be. I don't look at a mobile game is keeping me away from a console Castlevania, though. Uh, I think you do if it's Kona- modern Konami. Yeah. Like, this is what they're making now. Like, this is that. You know, get to, you get this shit like this and shit like uh, Metal Gear Survive, and that's it. Like, I mean, the other thing, too, is like, that... It's like you're not going to... You can't look at Metal Gear Survive and be disappointed by it and be like, well, the next Metal Gear game... Because there is no ma- next Metal Gear game. They're not going to do that. They're yeah. not going to make a console Castlevania game. Uh, I think the other thing, too, is that... Konami's a business, and as a business, Konami is doing very, very well. Its financials, since it kind of bailed on the whole console thing, have just skyrocketed. Mm-hmm. It is managing its business very well, and I know people want to believe that these publishers are their friends, been their fans of Nintendo or whatever, that you know they, they romanticize these companies and think that they actually care about them. But ultimately... They'll care about them if caring about them will generate revenue. And if mm. it doesn't, they're not going to do it. It's all about, yeah. I mean, at the end and, of the day... And at the same time, like, you know, well, the, maybe their revenue would have been better if they were making better games. And they just sort of walked away from that. And that's how it is now. Oh, well. I mean, Konami made pretty good games. 
before it bailed on the console space. Somewhat. They didn't, uh, you know, you had a lot of situations where they clearly just weren't interested in that world anymore. Like, they wouldn't let Kojima, I mean, not that they didn't have their reasons, because Kojima was running the budget to the sky. But For like, the, like, fifth time. Yeah, but they wouldn't let him, you know, Metal Gear Solid Five is an unfinished game. It's very yeah, clear you it's can an tell. unfinished game. Absolutely. Um, you know, they may, they they had all the problems with Lords of Shadow 2, and nobody really seems to be clear on whether that was Konami, or whether it was Mercury Steam, the leader of Mercury Steam, who seemed to be a little unhinged yeah, in places, <laughs> um, or a combination of both, or maybe Konami's behavior was making him uh, having to having to you know cut corners and be weird about that. I mean, look, you, there was a stealth sequence in that where you had to like stealth around as a mouse in fog. It was yeah. Very weird. <laughs> um, not what I was expecting as a sequel to that. Yeah, there game. were some questionable decisions made with that game for sure. I mean, and I think there's, I'm sure there's people that just wish they would like, like license out Castlevania to a company that does want to make a robust full game. I mean. You know, Which it could totally do that. Not to continue jumping the gun, but it's like imagine, imagine taking the t- template of the new God of War game and making a Castlevania game that, like that's like that. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Like, it, like it, it but could be there's only so many developers in the world that can do that. True, but like, see if they're interested. Yeah. Like shop. I mean, could I even have? You don't know. Yeah. It could have shopped all this stuff around, and people are just like, nah, nah. because you wanna. You want to create your own IP, so you make all the money off of it. Mm-hmm. You want to have control over what you do with that IP going forward. Well, and that's why you have the you know so many kickstarted Castlevania likes, right? You know, happening Bloodstained or Metroid likes as well. Because like they're just not that's that audience is not being served by the actual by Nintendo and Konami. Yeah, we're the two companies that make those games, right? And so you've got like. Yeah, and I think the, the independent stuff is actually filling that niche pretty well. There's been some pretty good Metroidvanias yeah, that have popped up. Uh, and you, you I pre- mean, a lot of cases, they're better than the last Metroid yeah. that came out. I mean, certainly you're, 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 uh, you know, you've got advocates of that Metroid uh, remake, Metroid 2 remake, uh, that the fan made versus the one that Nintendo it ultimately made. Ultimately ended up coming out officially. Yeah. Who, which was Mercury Steam, who made... Uh, the Lords of Shadow games. Yeah, and they also made a handheld version of Castlevania yeah. before they made the the big one. The the yeah, the, it was that was a an integral. Is it dual release? Was it no? No, it was on it was on DS or 3DS first, and then it came to consoles later. Yeah, um, I can't remember what the name of it. It began, it was, it began with H. It was an a, another HD one. A, a, it was Mirror of Fate. Mirror or of Fate. That's yeah. right. Mirror of Fate. That was about Trevor and Alucard and right. stuff. And uh, a lot of fans didn't like the the, the direction they took that. Will you play this mobile Castlevania? Eh, probably not. You won't. Like, I mean, I don't. I absolutely will. Yeah, maybe if it's free. I don't know. Like, I'm not I, a mobile I will, game. I, I would pay up to five bucks probably to buy it. Eh. I'll wait and see what you say. Yeah. <laughs> you let me make the sacrifice with the five bucks. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I mean, also, like, I. I'm a Castlevania like Metroidvania fan. Like, I don't, yeah. I'm not a, a big fan of the original kind of you know hard as nails action game version yeah um so this this isn't that enticing to me and also i the last thing i want to do in castlevania is play with other people yeah like the metroidvania genre to me is like part of the the part of the appeal is sort of the solo loneliness sort of like exploration thing yeah and if you're just hopping around like crazy people like which is what that 360 version was right like it was fun enough playing with my friends but it wasn't castlevania yeah yeah like so yeah i'm gonna wait i mean they haven't even shown a trailer for it yet obviously we haven't been showing you guys a trailer for it so they haven't released it yet so we there's been a couple screenshots that have been put out but they're all low res we weren't gonna run them um so i'm gonna withhold judgment until i finally see the game in motion and learn a little bit more about it but i mean just knowing 
the details that have been released so far, uh, I'm interested. And I will absolutely, if it's free, I will absolutely download it and play it. And if it's not free, I would probably be willing to spend up about up to about five dollars to to give it a whirl. So, uh, I, Castlevania is deep rooted in my mm. gamer heart. It is. I is. I mean, it is one of the first games that I became just hopelessly addicted to. And then later on in life, like in college, like I had my Super Nintendo in, in our mm. apartment, and like I remember my roommates who weren't gamers at all, like picking up, getting bored, and being like, "Hey, here's Shane's Super Nintendo," and like started playing Castlevania, and then I get up for class the next day, and I come out to the living room, and he's like, bro, I haven't stopped playing. I played all night. And so I, there's very special memories for me for this franchise, and so I think I'll always give it a chance. Like, for instance, I actually enjoyed Castlevania 64, where most people hate it. And That's your problem. It is, and absolutely. It's like I, I am willing to admit... There I, is actually a uh, like a weird upsurge among the Castlevania fandom of like Castlevania 64 is an underappreciated gem. <laughs> really? And, and they're wrong because it's terrible. <laughs> um, but like it, it, there's, there's sort of that thing of like now that it's gone, everybody's like, no, it uh, wasn't too bad. I, I'm willing to that. admit that most people probably think that that game sucks, but I yeah. enjoyed it because I just like that franchise so much. Well, and... go tr- play it again. No, I know it's Try not. Again. <laughs> I know it, it'll be hard to get through without a doubt. I remember like that hedge, that uh, hedge maze part. Hedge of maze was, was was difficult. <laughs> um, this, the the little update thing they did, Legacy of Darkness, where you could play the werewolf. That was a little right. better. Yeah, that, yeah. They refined it a little bit. That would, be a, that would be a patch now. That would just that would just been a patch. But back then, you had to release a whole new cartridge. Well, that was one of those uh, games that was marketed for like. Two years before it ever came out, it right. was in every magazine. Oh, like the first wave of Ultra sixty four. It was like, oh, Castlevania's coming to the oh, Ultra yeah, sixty four. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then we we got it again. Oh, yeah. I didn't think it was a great game, but I enjoyed it because I love the license so much. Yeah, I did not enjoy that game. I mean, yeah, I, I think I you was, follow it with most people. I was in. I was like, oh, like the fourth or fifth time I had to fight that giant gorilla skeleton. Yeah, I was yeah. Like, mm. <laughs> oh, I missed gorilla the pla- I missed the platform again. And that was also part of the things like. On the N64, where you had those sort of like half-assed attempts to move 2D games into that 3D space, right. and the system launched with Mario 64, where I never had a problem landing on the damn platform I no, wanted to huh? jump to, and all of a sudden you get playing this stuff, it's like the camera's <laughs> over here, your guys over here, you can't, you're falling off to your death. I was like, no, I'm not doing this. Well, if there's no shadow and no lighting, you had like no chance. Yeah. Yeah, that um, was. Remember the the uh, the innova- one of the innovations of Metroid Prime was that when you jumped, it automatically sort of tilted the camera down so you could see where your feet were. Yeah, yeah. Like something as simple as that it wasn't in place until the early two thousands. That's pretty crazy. It's hard to believe. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk next about probably the biggest story of the week. Yeah, if you don't count like releases, game releases. Yeah, yeah. I guess. yeah. Obviously, God of War coming out is the biggest like announcement thing stuff, that happened. Sure. But the biggest announcement this week, undoubtedly, was that. Remasters are coming for Shenmue 1 and 2 to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Is it coming to PC? Yes. It is PC. Mm-hmm. So Switch was left out. Yeah. Which I'm sure the Nintendo fans were really happy about. Oh, yeah. Of course they were. <laughs> uh, they didn't want that anyway. Yeah. Yeah, they, that's what they say. <laughs> we didn't want it anyway. I mean, you might not. Really. Actually, I mean, yeah. It's you, like... You, and I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to someone who not only loves Shenmue and has every version ever released for every platform, uh, but has a signed poster of it on my wall. I don't know if you're really missing that much if you didn't play it back in the day. If, you've, if you haven't played it, if you, if you don't have any nostalgia for this series, man. It's a tough. This is going to be a tough haul. It's tough um, to get through, yeah. In part because, uh, as we were talking about before the show, like, 
games just don't move at the pace of Shenmue anymore. Um, if they ever did. Really. Well, you're not talking about necessarily about how the game itself is paced, but literally. No, literally how the How long moment, it takes to pick yeah, something like, up. I'm, yeah, I'm not talking it. about like the narrative, because like, look, the first game is just chapter one, which was pure act one. By the time the story gets going in, act, in chapter, in, you know, in the first game, the first game is over. Yeah, you're like, right. He finally gets on the boat going to China. You're like, all right, now credits. What yeah, the that's the end. Because Yu Suzuki was trying to start, like, kind of, basically he was trying to start the episodic game. Like it was going to be a 16 chapter, meaning 16 game series. And after chapter one, it became very clear that you cannot make 16 of the most expensive game ever made at that point. Uh, particularly when it sells over, like 800,000 copies. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Shenmue, Shenmue 1 is all chapter one of the story. Uh, Shenmue 2 is chapters, I think, 2 through 5. So Shenmue 2 moves like a bat, narratively. The problem, relatively speaking. Relatively speaking. But the problem is... The game is so slow. Like, and I don't mean slow in the sense that, like, oh, it takes forever everything's happening. I mean, you press the button, he looks down, he reaches down, he picks up the orange, <laughs> you turn the orange, you move the orange the other way, you say, okay, put the orange down, because there's nothing you can do with a frickin' orange, but look at it. And then he slowly puts it back And then he slowly puts it back down, and then stands back up, and then the camera changes, and now you can play again. And yeah. it's like, and that's how everything in this game works. And I, I just... I don't know. I don't know how modern audiences who have never played this series will react to it. And that's the most interesting thing about this remaster to me is going to be, how will someone who has never played Shenmue and only heard about it through reputation, and its reputation's really good among people who love it, how are you going to react to playing this game and being like, what? It could how? make for some really interesting streams. Oh, the Let's Plays are going to be amazing, especially from like, like I want to see Let's Plays from like, people who weren't born when Shenmue 1 came out. You know, like 18-year-old well, kids and stuff. Right, well, I'm sure a lot of people watched, I mean, the, the that Easy Allies thing oh, yeah. that came out, like, when Shenmue 3 was announced, and they, like, flipped out, and it did millions oh, yeah. of views or whatever. People are going to remember that Uber when they his play mind this. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, wait a minute. Like, I mean, I don't react to anything like that. Right. But I was, internally, I was just, the, I was that excited, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I was excited, for sure. And then I thought about it some more, and I was like, mm, <laughs> I don't know. Like, um, look, I love these games. I played them both again on my Dreamcast uh, about two years, two summers ago. I replayed them because I got the VGA HDMI right. converter box thing for my Dreamcast, and they look good. They actually look good through that. Like they're gonna look okay. Like when they, like, even if they're just, I don't know what they're running on for this remaster. I guess they're probably just like making them widescreen and running through an emulator or something. Well, I mean, the confusing part is, Sam, if you'll go back and roll that trailer again, um, parts of the trailer are four by three, and then parts of it are sixteen by nine. Some of, I'm sure, the stuff that was like that's not real time. They probably just made it four by three. Like this is this is a cutscene, a pre-recorded cutscene. So I'm sure that this is there's not nothing right. they can do with those, right? Right. They'd have to re-render them all in engine, and, and I'm that's sure not happening. That, so this is this is in, all actual gameplay. Yeah. So um, yeah, that makes more sense. Also, I think Shenmue Two did have a 16 by 9 option because did it? because it, they remade it for the Xbox. The oh right, Xbox. right. Um, Visually, it doesn't look like. Much has been done. Not too much. I mean, it looks like they've just sort of cleaned it up. Because it, it is jaggy when you blow it up to a modern resolution. Um, you know, it needs some serious anti-aliasing. The textures need some help. Uh, so it looks like that's happening here. Um, but they're not touching the gameplay. They're not touching how everything functions. It sounds like there's going to be an, an alternate, alternate control, control scheme. scheme. Yeah. Which they need. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, that's just not how 3D motion is done anymore. Yeah. Because that's the other thing about Shenmue. Is like, Shenmue came out in 1999. Yeah. Like, 
And it was originally planned for the Saturn. Like, this thing was way ahead of its time. Ahead of its time to the point that we hadn't quite figured out how 3D adventure, you know, per third-person action games I certainly didn't worked. know how open-world games no. were going to work. And, like, I mean, like, in the original controls, uh, like, you, you steered him. You literally steered him with the one analog stick, and you could push forward to make him walk. But, like, a little bit. So, like, I kind of fine-tune him. But to actually move forward and walk at normal speed and run, you had to hold the right trigger. trigger. yeah. <laughs> and then kind of steer him using that. It was it was, it was kind of like tank controls. Well, yeah, it was it was like a slight evolution of the old Resident Evil controls. It's like the trigger was like the gas button on a car. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was a little like like steering a car. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and Rio kind of has the personality of a car in <laughs> places. So and that's yeah, like not they're not. I assume they're not redoing the uh, the dubbing. Uh, which was all done, uh, it was done... With... I don't think they should. I mean... No, probably not. The dubbing was done in Japan by a voiceover studio that does English dubs I think there. they're going to have the Japanese and option in the Western version. That would though. be nice. Yeah. Uh, because it's, also, it's actually done by the same uh, dub company and dub actors as the English version of Iron Chef. Um, and in Interesting. Fact, and in fact, if I remember correctly, the guy from... You know the guy on the floor in Iron Chef? who, in the middle of everybody talking, will suddenly interrupt and be like, Oh, he's done. Like that guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. I believe that is the dorky, like, other student. Oh, really? In Shenmue. Because <laughs> there's, there's, there's another student of your father in Shenmue, uh, um, whose name I can't remember. But he, uh, he, like, helps you train and stuff, and he's just a giant dork. And, like, he just, he's kind of like this weird little, like, dude who helps you train stuff. And he's, like, super weirdly subservient to you and stuff. It's very weird. I think that's the same voice actor. And then, but you've just got, like, you know, adult actors raising their voice a couple octaves to try to be children. And, like, the, very, the famous one where, like, one of the first kids you run into running out of your house in the first game says, Hey, mister, want to wrestle? You know, like, it's just like, what? <laughs> oh, no, some of the lines in that game are crazy. just like, what? Well, and a lot of it is, like, because it was, like, translated and not localized. So there's, like, things were, like, that would make sense if you were saying them in Japanese in context. But, like, in English, it's just like, do you remember that day? That day. The day of the incident, yeah. where the snow turned to rain. Yes, that is the day. It's just like, yeah. like what it's is this? It's just like, what? It's weird and stilted and, and kind of, I guess, kind of adds to the sort of... The aura. The, the Absolutely, aura. Yeah. It's like watching Akira with the original streamlined dub from the 80s. Yeah, yeah. That's which a is, good is just not, it's just It's charming, and it's, you know, the, the whole reason to watch that is Cam Clark hamming it up as a Kaneda. Uh, but, like... Would you call it good good voice acting? No, but it's way more memorable than the quote-unquote good dub they did in the 2000s. I think that's probably the most puzzling thing to me is how, how much this announcement made an impact across mm -hmm. social media. But people forget that this isn't like the first time that these games have been revived for a current console. They've actually been available for a while. Hmm? Yeah, isn't Shenmue 1 and 2, aren't they available on, like, Xbox or whatever? Shenmue no. 2 is, I guess. Shenmue 2, they made a Shenmue 2 for uh, the original Xbox. Right. Um, they never did the first one. They never did the first oh, okay. one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if you want to play the first one, you were... That's you really had, bizarre had to play that the they only cast. made the second one. I mean, the second one never came out here. Right. So the, the, second one, the second one came out in Japan on the Dreamcast and came out in Europe on the Dreamcast. Right. And never made it to America. And so the Xbox version was the only way to play... The, the sequel in America, unless you... I imported the European version because the European version yeah, is, is uh, subtitled. Um, this, and then the, the Xbox version was the only way to play it dubbed in English. 
which use the same dub team. There's a weird, uh, I can't quite remember what the deal is. Um, there's a weird thing in Shenmue 2 where one of the characters in Japan is a man, it's a cross-dresser. And so it's a, it's, she presents as a woman, but in Japan she's voiced by a male actor. And in the, the European version, which was subtitled, they had them redub her with a female Japanese voice actress. Wow. And then in America, she's voiced by a, a woman voice actor in English. So that's one of the only times I think I've ever heard of a localization redubbing a character with a different voice actor in the original language. Yeah, that is strange. It, which, is, which is weird. Well, um, they must have just known it. Just did it. Was, and it... And it's saying it's bad in the pantheon of voice acting in Shenmue. That is saying something. Well, I don't know because it was you know it, her. I don't know. I don't know what the performances are like in Japanese. And I don't speak Japanese. Right. I'm sure it was fine, but it was just like one of those like, oh, we can't have a, a cross-dressing man in in a game because of reasons. So they just did that. Um, on the flip side, uh, they did release Shenmue USA in Japan on the Dreamcast, which is the first game with the English dub, because apparently Yu Suzuki thought it was better than the Japanese version. <laughs> and I'm, so maybe and, the voice acting in Japanese isn't so good. Yeah, well, I, that's the, it's either that or like the, the thing where like when you watch, you know, dubbed or, uh, you know, the dub versus sub thing where it's like, oh, subbed is way better. Well, subbed is better because you just hear the tone of the, the language being spoken, you don't understand it, and then you read the subtitle and your brain makes it not stupid. Like, uh, like your brain basically makes the dialogue work because you're reading it to yourself like a book. Like, you don't read a book and be like, that delivery of that line was bad. Because yeah. in your head, it just makes, you just makes it work. You think it right. sounds good. Yeah. And so that's kind of how subtitles help make something, like, a little better. Is like, you know, if you don't understand the language being spoken, you don't know if someone's really acting badly unless it's really over the top. So I think the reverse happened there with Shenmue USA, where it's like, oh, that sounds better because maybe, you know, who knows who they got to voice... Yeah, the the Jap but it's weird because like Metal Gear Solid had a similar thing happen where where uh, uh, Kojima released a, a USA English version in Japan with the English voice actors who were I think way better than the Shenmue English voice actors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But um, there's an element to that where like you know you know Kojima's kind of trying to make an American movie like a, a John Carpenter film basically usually which are in English which are seen in English in Japan and also. Um, uh, uh, like the characters in Metal Gear would be speaking English, Shenmue clearly not. No, like no. takes place entirely in a small yeah. town in Japan, right. and like the idea that he thought that that should be that would be better in English was weird to me. Are you gonna play these again? Yeah. If I, I don't think I will, honestly. Well, I mean, you should so we can talk about it. Yeah, like, I'll let you tell it you play it, and then I'll ask you all the questions. I don't know. I think we need to see. <laughs> I, we need to see your reaction to picking one of these things up. To almost 20 years later, oh, 19 years later. I don't know. I, uh, it was a struggle. I mean, I'm not saying you gotta finish them. I'm yeah, just saying, yeah. like, you should play an hour or so of Shenmue 1 and see how far you get, or at least how many capsule toys you collect. I will say this much. That trailer reminded me of how great the music is yes. in Shenmue. And I think the other thing that I think is... Because is, the music in that game is... Yeah, music even is Even today is still amazing. And I, the other thing I think... Um, God, Rio is such a 
doofus. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> one of my other favorite lines. Brown leather jacket. One of my other favorite moments in in the sequel is uh, he gets in this big fight with or something with the the one girl. I think Joy is her name. She's got the red hair and she rides a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. And she she's like, like the big character in the yeah. She, she's very big, a very prominent character, and she almost like runs him over and. And she's like, I like this and scene. she's like, are you crazy? You're gonna, you're gonna run over, and he just goes, where's Wanzai? And because he's looking, he's trying to find this place called Wanzai in town, and she, and she goes, what? Like it's like, he's just yeah. a very single-minded man. Like yeah. he's got one thing on his mind. I mean, look, the, the franchise has its charms. That's why it is yeah. it is maintained some level of cachet for almost tw- two decades. Yeah, just if you've never played it, you better be ready to be you're, prepared. You're, you're 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 playing the equivalent of like a B movie at best. Yeah, you know. Like, like think of it like like you put turning on at an old best. an old like kung fu movie or something. Yeah. Um, and the combat is pretty good. Like combat yeah, is derived from Virtua Fighter, and there's actually some meat to it. Yeah. Uh, and some of those fights at the end of the first game were I yeah. always remember those. They were tough. And this, I mean, the choreography is like they they did a lot of good motion capture stuff. This, yeah. is, this is this is real impressive for 1999. Oh yeah, like absolutely. It, but that's why it cost so much money, and Sega right. lost its ass on the game. <laughs> the other thing that I think is is driving this as kind of a uh, a big story is the idea of Sega finally doing some re-releases right. and some retro re-releases on something that happened after the Genesis. Yeah, you're right. Like they have neglected their Saturn and Dreamcast libraries more the Saturn, but like. They've neglected a lot of these games for decades. I mean, look, in my honest opinion, I would rather see a rework of Panzer Dragoon Saga. Well, they'd have to recode that from the ground up, it's not, because they lost the, the source code for that. Uh, I but think like, that I would, game I, has enough cachet, though, that it would be worth the effort oh, to Oh, that recode. was my favorite game for years. Yeah. It's still, I, it'd be probably my number two, number three game of all time if I were to make a list. I think uh, that, to me, would be worth the effort to build it from the ground up. I agree. Panzer Dragoon Saga, like a Panzer Dragoon collection that includes Saga would yep. be one of the holy grails of, of like retro gaming. Then the value of that game would just plummet, but I don't care because I don't own it. <laughs> I tried to, I I actually tried to replay that recently with like because there's a decent Saturn emulator now where you just put the disc in the PC and it plays it. Oh wow! Um, and like, there's really still not a whole lot you can do with Saturn textures. Yeah, like it's just it would not, have to again it has to be rebuilt. You have to rebuild it from the ground. But I yeah I agree with you. That would be, I I don't know what kind of money that would take, and I don't know if anyone would even care beyond you know that niche group that loves those games. I think just as big a group would care about that as care about Shenmue. Yeah, but Shenmue just, I think they just ran it through a filter in an emulator and called it a day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a very quick and dirty. Yeah. It's not even a port, really. No, it's, it's a it's a remaster. It counts as a remaster, but it's really, it's a remaster in the strictest sense oh, yeah. of like, we are just up what's already there to and a modern resolution. 16 by 9. Maybe you're changing the controls maybe a little bit. Maybe you're tweaking some stuff, but like basically it's like, this is the game it was before, just, you know, run through a better video output, essentially. Yep. The other game I would love to see uh, from the old Sega days comeback is uh, Dragon Force. Yeah. Which uh, very few, it was a working designs release in America. Uh, very few people played it. Um, but I played that I played that game for two, three hundred hours in, wow. in college. I, it got to the point where at one point my girlfriend at the time hid the disc. <laughs> it was just like... It's it, like I, how Pactor's wife called uh, Fallout 3 that effing game. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, it was I, it was all I did. I went I went to class. I came home. I played Dragon Force. I played it. Oh, I, I played it every because it was like seven or eight characters. You could go through the whole game. I went through with all of them, and then I started over again. Like wow. I just kept. I loved that game more than. I anything. would say the chances of that coming back real slim, slim. to none. <laughs> real slim. <laughs> Not gonna happen. But I, there's always the emulator. That's true. You just stick the disc in and it plays. 
That's pretty true. well. It's okay. It's a little, a little hitchy here and there, but it works. Yep. It's better than not having it. That's true. All right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about E3. Uh, what I've noticed is it's been really slow the first quarter of the year. Lots mm-hmm. of podcasts have been talking about E3 for weeks, months, in a lot of cases. Yeah. You can tell how desperate the first quarter is by how early the E3 hype starts. Yeah, yeah. Or the Game of the Year talk. That's right. another thing I've seen on a lot of podcasts. Like, what are the early contenders for Game of the Year? It's like, bro, it's like March. There's, there's one. Yeah. <laughs> and it came out today. Yeah. So. Uh, and so E3 is coming up. It's like... Less than two months from now, yep. it's coming up pretty quick, and we're starting to see the industry kind of get into gear. Uh, Microsoft yesterday announced its press conference is happening Sunday, or is it Sunday or Monday? I don't remember. I can look it up real quick. Probably Monday? Can't remember. Ubisoft is doing its press conference the same time it always has. Mm. Um, same, Probably the same location it always has as well. Yeah, you got something that works. Yep. Um, so the E3 machine is starting to get revved up. In fact, I just like put in my press like application this week. And so I thought we might at least address E3 and start getting sort of warmed up for it ourselves. Matt, what are you looking for, looking for or looking from E3 for this year? Um, I want to know what Bethesda is putting out this fall. They got to have something. They have to have something. Some have kind something. Of game. I'm talking more, though, about... The show itself. Oh. I don't know. Were you happy with kind of how it was last year? No, it was too crowded. I couldn't get anything. That was what, last year, I, I think we said, I, I said, I, this is the first year in 19 or some years ago and that I skipped a day on yeah. the floor. I just couldn't take it. It was too much. It was too many people. And I couldn't get anything done. I couldn't see anything. So I just like stayed in the Marriott all day and hung out with people. Like, <laughs> well... There's something to be said, There's something about, to be said about that, but I'm like, well, I got to go look at something because otherwise we're getting on anything to talk about on the Friday show. So yeah, but um, I'm not looking forward to this one really, uh, in the sense that like I thought last year was was a was a, a tough a tough haul, and uh, I wonder how it's going to work this time with the you know early early entrance stuff. Uh, we'll just create crowds of a different nature, you know, as everybody rushes to try to see what they need to see before you know the public gets in like i don't know if that's going to help much i think it would be it's going to be a huge help in all honesty um because the last couple of years that the public has been in there like there i couldn't it was hard to formulate a plan because mm-hmm. you knew no matter what day you went no matter what time you went it was going to be hard to get hands on time with a game unless you wanted to wait in line or you could just slide in if you knew a pr person and get in and see a demo I think my biggest issue with the public being at E3, and, and Pactor and Marcus talked about this in a recent episode of Pactor Factor, I'm not as angry about the public being there as they are, but I think the biggest issue that I have is it's much harder to actually play games on the show floor mm-hmm. now. Um, the kiosks are all taken up, or you have to wait in a queue where they give you like a lanyard or whatever for waiting in line, or you have to go into like this private demo booth where... Yeah. You sit and somebody else plays, and you don't get to play the game. Yeah, I didn't I think... play, last year, I don't think I played anything that wasn't something that I knew someone right. working on. Yeah. Like it was literally like, hey, can I play the game you are making? And they're like, sure. But it's like, if, if just as a normal attendee, like I, there was no hands-on time for anything because it was so crowded. I waited a couple times. I would just run into people and be like, hey, how are you? He's like, oh, I was going to go play this. And we ended up standing in line and basically catching up while we were waiting to play mm-hmm. stuff. But that was like it. Otherwise, getting time, because basically the only games that are out on the floor with kiosks are indie games. 
The small mm-hmm. stuff. All the big stuff is in some theater somewhere. Yeah, they're all they're all all the big stuff is a very controlled, you know, driven demo. Or there's a Nintendo where you have to wait. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't even bother trying to play Nintendo stuff anymore. Unless everyone, I have I have a couple friends in Nintendo uh, who, if I run into them, they'll get me back into the VIP section and I can play stuff. That's how I played Breath of the Wild for like the half an hour demo thing they did two years ago. It's but, also weird um, looking at this B-roll and seeing the Xbox booth that we were just showing there and realizing that that is not going to be there. Yeah. There'll be some kind of Xbox presence, but it won't be. Oh, there, it's just a live streaming yeah. lab, essentially, for Mixer. But their actual show floor I know, presence... I, I bet I know everyone who's producing that. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, that'll be where I go to see my friends. Pretty much, yeah. Because there's... What's their E3 show called? E3, Xbox Live, something like that. Yeah, crap. something like that. Yeah, all our friends like, end up working on A lot of XG4 people work on those, that show. Yeah, like for Blair years. Butler is there. Yeah, and, uh, Blair Herter used to be there. Probably won't be anymore. Yeah, he still, he still shows up sometimes. I don't, probably not this now. Yeah. He's at IGN now, so he probably uh, can't. But they get a lot of hosts that we used to work with. and. Uh, yeah, Morgan, I think, does. does Morgan she? has. Yeah. Um, uh, but she won't be there. Chobot, Chobot did, did yep. a couple times. But yeah. isn't it weird, though, there won't be a big Xbox? I mean, that's the first time in 15 years there won't be an Xbox booth? Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, changes. We'll see We'll see how it goes. Like, Well, EA's gone. I mean, that whole corner of that floor is empty now. Mm-hmm. Because it used to be Xbox, EA. And those, both those booths were huge. You should just, like, fill that whole space with uh, extra Nintendo kiosks. Actually, you're right. Like Nintendo should like, just buy that space. You gotta, you gotta, like you, you gotta serve the people here. And like, there's just the the furor over getting to play Nintendo stuff at the at this show has always been crazy. But the last like five years have gotten to a point where like I'm expecting someone to die. Yeah. Like it's it's insane. Like people like running at full sprint from the opening of the doors to the Nintendo booth. Like you're waiting for someone to trip and like gouge their eye out on something. Like it's, it's a, it's a disaster. And like people, you know, at one point though, like, last year, the year before, I think they were cutting off the line to play Zelda. I think two years ago, they're cutting the line off by 11 a.m. Yeah. Like, like, and the show opens at 10. Yeah. I mean, it was like, if you weren't in point, line, there was already more people, more than people they than they could through. get through. It yeah. was just like, well, you are not adequately showing your game. At that no, point. you're right. Um, I think we're going to do coverage a little bit different this year. We're, we're probably still going to do the, provided we have a place to do it, because um, this is like the next to last episode here in our studio. Mm. Uh, but provided we have a place to do it, like I, we'll probably still do the live press conference stuff the first like couple days or whatever. But then I think once the show kicks off, I think we're actually going to do show floor coverage this year. Um, and the last couple years, we did like the, the master stream where we would go and grab everyone's streams using the TriCaster and mm-hmm. just basically people would be like, hey, I want to watch this. And we just flip around and put it. But last year, like our audience had for that had fallen. So I think we're actually going to do some show floor coverage this year uh, and get out there. And, and I think a lot of it will be community based, not necessarily talking to a lot of developers or publisher folks, but talking to the people who go to mm-hmm. to the show. Uh, talking to the people in line at uh, at Nintendo and asking them what are they thinking, <laughs> like way near the back, like how much did you spend to be here this week and is it worth it? Is it worth sitting in this line for the next five hours to get to play whatever Pokemon for thirty minutes or and get your Pokemon hat or backpack or bag or mm-hmm. whatever it is they're going to give you? I want to try to kind of take that community angle uh, with the show this year, uh, at least one of the days that I go on the show for to do coverage, and then maybe just kind of pick and choose what publishers and developers we decide to talk to. 
Um, but yeah, I think I want to get out. Well, obviously, I have to get out of here. So I have to get out of here in like two weeks. But I want to get out on the show floor and do some coverage out there this mm-hmm. year. Um, so we're going to do things maybe a little bit differently. Still do the press conference thing? Yeah, I mean, I think I still want to do like the, the hangout for the press conferences right. where we sit with the, the sifters and we watch them together and then we do some commentary afterwards. I want to do that. But what generally we do that before the show even starts. And then you would go and like go to the floor and do your thing. And I would end up being here all day, mm. um, basically sitting and being a human tricaster, like going through five streams and someone has, says, hey, Capcom is showing this right now. Flip over and I would flip over to that. Um, it's actually a great idea, but the first year it did well as far as audience. The second year it didn't do anywhere near as well. So I want to switch it up and try some new things and do some things differently. Um, we're not going to just do the generic developer interviews that we had done at GT for seven oh. years and we had done at GameSpot before that and G4 before that. Um, we still want to try to keep with our mantra of if we can't do it differently, we won't do it. But people aren't really taking that the community angle at E3. It's always about like the publishers, the developers, and the games, which I totally get. But that stuff's all being done by 30 or 40 different outlets. So I want to try to find a different angle to kind of cover the show this year. Um, and I think it'll, we'll, we'll, I'll figure out some way to do it that'll be different and it'll still kind of have that sifted spin on it. So um, are you excited for E3 2018? Mm-hmm. Because we're kind of in that end of generation mode where mm-hmm. a lot of, it's going to be, take something extreme to really impress us, like graphically with a game. Um, I think we've been to the point where they've kind of wrung the genres dry for a while now. Battle Royale, I guess, would be the one exception to that. But we haven't really seen a new genre since, like, Skyrim and stuff like that really hit. Um, I don't really care about new genres. I'm care, I care about refinement. I care yeah. about... That's why I don't... I, I feel like this should be the midpoint of the generation. I feel like we should be... Well, like, if you go by the PlayStation schedule, it is. I mean, PS3 was out there for, like, eight years, and we're yeah. at year four. Well, I think we're finally starting... You know, between Horizon last year, God of War this year, Spider-Man coming up in September, I think you're finally starting to see the PlayStation really sing. No, you're right. You're on all cylinders. Right. And, like, I don't see any reason to cut that short right now. Like, let, them, let these things ride for a few more years. Yeah. And, like, certainly Microsoft can't, can't have any interest in jumping the gun. They've got the most powerful system right now. Yeah. Um, which, to be fair, I have only played games that were at least two years old or three years old or more on it so far, but it runs that old stuff real well. <laughs> I bet it does. <laughs> I've, been, I've been playing, uh, before God of War came out, I was, I was playing uh, Witcher 3 again for the third time on Xbox One, on Xbox One X, and I'll tell you, it looks and runs as good as my PC. Really? 60 frames a second, 4K HDR, like it looks gorgeous, wow. it runs gorgeous, it's... it's Every bit the equal of playing it on my powerful, super powerful PC. Obviously, that you spent th- three times yeah. or four times. Obviously, more it's three for. years later. Yeah, yeah. But like, still, that's a, that's a box and a half. You can right get there. that experience now in a console. Yeah, like it's, it's that's a beautiful. big deal. Um, and like again, like like uh, like one of my friends was over and saw it and was just like and looked you know looked at that and looked at God of War on the Pro and was just like, how in the world can you say we need new consoles? Yeah, when we have things that look like this right now. Like yeah. It's, it, you know, and, and Witcher Three is three years old. Or look at uh, look at Red Dead Redemption, uh, which you load. That's a, that's an eight year old game, and it looks amazing. I mean, it for does, what it is, yeah. it looks amazing with that the, the new update they did. It's great. Absolutely. Like, so, I think there's a lot of life left in these consoles, and there's no reason to to jump the gun on new hardware. Everyone's always just wants the next big thing. Yeah, I know. But like uh, the next. But I think big... the truth is, is that the next thing may not be all that big. Right. It's hard to get the leaps that we're used to seeing. Yeah, anymore. like don't I, I say don't jump to a new you know especially you know, if you're going to jump to a new number. First off, I like that Xbox you know the Xbox guys are finally saying like 
we recognize the importance of taking your library with you, yeah. basically. Like, the, the, you buy, a new, you know, because that's another thing. Like, that is one thing Microsoft has done exceptionally yeah. well this generation. And it I hasn't done a lot very well, no. but But they've that seen that, thing. and they've kind of, like, found this sort of, like, alternate route that, like, well, we can't make, you know, we're having trouble getting new stuff out. <laughs> so let's just make sure people But what if we just all make all the stuff. stuff everybody already has really good? Yeah. And, like... I'm not saying it's making them a ton of money, but like I'm having a really good time playing these old games. But I think I at this point, where Microsoft is at in Generation 8, it would be happy to just make players happy. Yeah. Because it is really kind of like, it's in third place. I mean, let's be yeah. honest. Xbox is in third place. And at this point... Not in February, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, just in general. But... Switch is about to pass them, I think, if you if you extrapolate out the the way the system's been selling. Yeah. They're about they're about to be more switches sold than Xbox Ones. Yeah. And uh, I just think at this point Microsoft needs to worry about keeping its existing customer base happy. Mm-hmm. So they will at least consider the next box. Yeah, well, from the, Microsoft. Well, I'll tell you, if I can if the next Xbox, whenever that comes out or whatever it is, that comes out, and everything I own on the on the Xbox One and everything can just be moved right up and forward. And my 360 and all that stuff I already own, like disc-wise or digitally, just moves moves up to the next system, and it looks better and plays better and runs smoother. Yeah, that's a big that's it's a, a big, big incentive. Point. And like Sony should be paying attention because like you're building this huge huge library now of Sony games uh, through the PlayStation Plus and the free game stuff they offer, and just sort of like the remasters they're coming out with, and like. Don't you don't want to make people start that library over on the PS5? Like you want to keep that moving. Everyone's got the architecture that can just keep moving forward now, and I think the that problem should... is Sony has it in the past, and that's what's really killing it. Yeah, but I mean, I think that the PS4 Pro is a good indication that they understand that. Yeah, and um, it's going to be that way going forward. I think that's what you have to do now. I mean, and I think you're even starting to see that with Switch. Um, I I would be very surprised. And Nintendo's done that in the past with the, with the DS model, obviously. Um, but and the I, consoles. I mean, the I Wii be, played GameCube. Wii played games. that. Yeah, the, you know, I'm sure if there was a disc slot somewhere on the on the Switch, feasibly, you could still play. You know, right. Architecture-wise, it probably yeah. would still work. Yeah. Um, so I would. I mean, I'll be shocked if the successor to the Switch does not have a Switch card port. Yeah. It, if it even has a different kind of card, who knows? Yeah. But I think letting people take their their games with them to the next generation is going to be a big watchword. But Nintendo has been probably the worst at that because it wants you to keep buying those old retro games right. over and to over some degree, and but over also, again. But also, like it's, you're kind of, kind of torn there because on one hand, yes, it's annoying to have to pay again. On the other hand, on the Wii U, even okay, we pay a dollar to upgrade this like virtual console game to Wii U version, so you don't have to load the Wii emulator to play it that way. It's like that's better than not giving it to me again. Yeah. Which is what's happening now. I mean, what would be better is just giving it to you again. Well, right. But, like, <laughs> you can't ever expect Nintendo to give you something for free. Well, apparently not. I mean, look how much they charge for the dock. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Um, but, like, you know, I'm very curious if any of the stuff I own virtual console-wise is ever going to matter on the Switch. I highly doubt it. Probably. I, we'll find out in September. If there ever will be a virtual console. That's also a good question. I mean, I'm starting to wonder at this point. That's, I mean, the Nintendo Direct for E3 might be one of the most interesting bits because are we going to find out anything about this stuff? Or is it going to be another like little parade of indie games that we don't really care about or we've already played and we're waiting for the online service information and it's just going to be like, it's coming in September and we'll be another Direct in August that tells you more. It's like, well... You know. Well, the big deals are going to be Smash Brothers, Pokemon. It's mm-hmm. going to be the games. Um, if they mention, like, or show the online... I'd be really shocked if but, they show that. Well, they'd stuff. have to show the online if you show Smash Brothers. And hopefully Pokemon. And Pokemon, sure. I hope. 
But these these seem like games that would require on, the online infrastructure to be in place, and you want to maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, and I think that that will be that's your that's your gateway into talking about that. Well, I think the games will come first, and then yeah. the the Nintendo Online will be just a sidebar to each game. Right. We'll talk about how it works with each specific game. But some information, please. It's a, a year and a half after the system launches. At least we're still playing online for free, Matt. For now. <laughs> for now, not for long. NFL. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm excited for E3. I'm like you, like I'm a software person. I'm not really a hardware guy. Um, after playing God of War for the last few days, I I don't know that we need console new consoles yet. I just no. don't. Um, these there's still a lot of juice left in these machines, mm-hmm. and uh, I would rather sit in this sweet spot for software where all the developers have got their heads wrapped around the hardware and can squeeze the most out of it. The middleware is up to speed and beyond, and it's easy to make games for these. And then the creativity comes out. They're not yeah. worrying so much about the nuts and bolts of making a game. They're like, how do we make this game fun? How do we make this game unique? How do we make this game innovative? And I think this is a period you get into where you get the best software. And so mm-hmm. I'm totally fine sitting here for the next two years. I got no problem with it. Or more. I mean, at least give. I think at least let me have another Sony Santa Monica game on this system. I highly doubt that'll happen, but I, I think I it, agree uh, here's you. the thing. I think it will. I think it will, and at best or at worst, whatever way you want to phrase it, um, you'll be able to play it on the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 5. It'll just look a lot better on the 5. Probably. Like, that's the way, that's the future, I think, is don't force me to upgrade, let me play it, but entice me with the, that, that, those better graphics and be like, oh, you could play it, it'd be, it'd be <coughs> a lot better if you played it on this new hardware. I honestly don't know if they would ever sell the new hardware, though, Matt. Hmm? I don't know if they would sell the new hardware. I don't know if people would buy the new of course hardware. They would. I don't know. Of course they would. I think we're seeing it, though, with the X. It's like... X is selling fine. Uh, Define fine. It's not blowing the doors off, but it's apparently selling up to their expectations. Well... It's a boutique thing. It's like that's the thing is like you can't expect y- you can't expect these like you know higher the higher price system to blow the doors off everything if this is the model you're going with. You have to temper those expectations. Like you can't expect that to be the best seller. It's never going to be because it's too expensive. But they need ultimately they need something to be the best seller. Well, it's it's all one thing. It's all the PlayStation brand. That's all it is. Yeah. It's, it, you can't. You, you're you're stuck in that model of generation to generation. You have to let that go. That's I don't think the works. consumer will let it go though. That's I the don't problem. think the consumer cares. The, the the mainstream consumer that doesn't that like you know makes these things successful. Not us. They don't know what generations are. They don't know what number generation they're on. All they know is the number is one higher. But you got to realize, Matt, eventually there are going to be games that are released that are not going to be able to run on the base right. PS4. But you don't do that immediately. You give that years. That's years later. Well, it's already been years. It's been four years. And then if you tack on another two, to me, the six-year mark seems like... Six-year mark spot. is the midpoint. Oh, jeez. Six, six that would be bad. When did they stop making PlayStation 3? It's like last year? Yeah, but they stopped making games for PlayStation 3 way before that. Other Only than... because the architecture wouldn't support it. PC gaming is scalable to the point that you... you know, look at all the, those things where... You, I mean, it doesn't look good, but look at like stuff where like people put up those videos of Far Cry with the settings like right. like massacred into like, you know, like a 386 it's or like something. It's like an art deco it, Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like a Rorschach <laughs> painting. Right? right. But like the scalability of, of, you know, as long as you're keeping the architecture similar, the scalability makes it feasible. And like that's the... Yeah. the, the, the all you need to worry about is, you know, does it run? And it's like, oh, it doesn't run very well or it doesn't look very good. Compared, oh, well, you should it get that runs. new system. Yeah. Get that new system and it'll look really good. So that's how you sell I mean, it's, it's 
And yeah, you, know, you can talk about like people won't buy the expensive new thing if it just does the same thing they already like. Like talk to Apple's iPhone division about no, that. You're right. I mean, the other thing too is that the platform holders don't generally Nintendo does, but the other two don't generally make that much money selling hardware. Mm -hmm. So it's they're not incentivized to release new hardware because that's not where their profit mm -hmm. driven their their profits come from the software. But obviously, there's an argument to be made. Well, if you don't have software that looks bigger and better than the stuff that came before, then no one's going to buy the software either, and you need the mm -hmm. hardware to facilitate that. Blah, I just blah, blah. think I think going forward, like the the subsequent releases of hardware are going to be a much more low key thing than we're used to. Like it's not going to be this big. And I don't think we're going to get it at E3 either. By the no. way, I don't think we're no. going to see a new Xbox or a new PlayStation at E3. No, the the, the first next big new system has to be Sony. Because um, Xbox already just put out their right. big upgrade, yeah. uh, and you know, just from what I play, I mean, assuming they ever put some games on it, uh, they don't have any reason to put out new hardware because this—it's th a very powerful box. You can tell even when you play, you know, games on that I've played on PlayStation Four, even on Pro, and then I play something—the same game. Oh, on it's the, like night I, day. It's, no, it's noticeable. It's <laughs> oh, real. Yeah. I mean, even just the fact that like the HDR patch and everything on Witcher Three, like on PlayStation Four Pro, it. Still looks good. The HDR is pretty much the same thing, but the draw distance is massacred now, and it doesn't. The 4K isn't quite crisp on the level that you expect it to be, and it runs at 30 frames a second. Yeah, like it's a it's a totally different experience. Yeah, and um, I just don't. Yeah, I don't think so, Sony has to make the first hardware move. And if you look at God of War and probably Spider Man coming up, like I can't imagine Sony sitting there thinking like we need new hardware because. Yeah. You know, God of War just burned the God of War just burned up the review charts to the point that Corey Barlog did a video where he cried reading the Metacritic. <laughs> I mean, the, the system is still paying amazing dividends in terms yeah. of like the work people in are the doing right hands. It. You don't, yeah. yeah, you don't need it. And Sony's first party stuff has always been ahead of the curve. The same way Nintendo's first party stuff has always been ahead of the curve. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason that is, some kind of whatever internal magic the these hardware manufacturers have, um, you know. Like you're not seeing the same, you know, you're not seeing the same magic come out of the third-party stuff necessarily. But like internally, they're still making stuff work with these with this. Making hardware. strides too. And I think I think God of War still looks good on the on the vanilla PS4 too. I mean, you're you're not getting the the performance mode, but it still looks really good. It still plays fine. Yeah. Like there's no need for new hardware. Show us some games. Show us some new brand new games that really push this stuff. Microsoft. I can just see a lot of people after E3 2018 is over being really disappointed. If you're expecting new systems at this E3, you're out of your mind. Yeah, like, but I think a lot happening. of people are. I don't. I don't see why. The only well, because there was a big rumor going around just two weeks ago that the PlayStation Five was coming out this year. People want it so bad that they were willing to believe that completely irrational rumor. I don't think very many people want that. Want what? To spend five hundred dollars on a system nobody needs. Yeah. Like there's no I, I reason don't, but for it. But a lot of people don't understand games like we do or like sifters do. We were kind of on a an other level of understanding from the average consumer. Yeah, but these are these aren't average consumers. Average consumers don't even know the PlayStation Five was talked about yet. Average consumer doesn't know the PlayStation Five exists until they run an ad for it. Yeah, like it's like the it's like the. Well, they'll know when it's announced at E3 because no, it'll be won't. all over Yahoo and USA Today. No, they and won't know. CNN no. and they, they, that's not how that works. Like that's still just enthusiast stuff. Like I still have people asking me what this God of War game is today. 
I guess what was this? What's God of War? I thought that game was was on PlayStation Two. It's like yes, God of War was. But they don't know. And these are not stupid people. They're not like ignorant people. Yeah. They just don't follow video games. They don't pay attention to this stuff. And it's the same. It's the same thing with movies. Everybody, people who follow movies are like, oh my God, how can like they this or this trailer or that trailer? It's like nobody, the people who make these movies big hits on opening day don't know about this stuff. I always tell the story about. The, in 2015 when Force Awakens was coming out Star Wars is coming back oh my god Star Wars Star Wars Star Wars and I would go to uh, my friend Lawrence's house and we would we would watch football every Sunday that fall you know from August on, going up to December when that was and you know, he had a bunch of people who would come over and watch football all the time we would, I mean, a bunch of us, like him and me, Chris Gore, like a bunch of people, like, we would just basically talk movies a lot. Right. And we would, you know, we were, football's on, but we're talking about movies right. and Star Wars and stuff. We're talking about every single element, we're dissecting it, da 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 And like, there's other people there and they're, you know, in the room while we're talking, or it, sometimes they talk to you know, we, would just, it's just a movie talk thing. And the week before Thanksgiving, they started running ads for The Force Awakens during the football games. And at one point, they, you know, Force Awakens ad came up. And one of these women, one of the women that had been coming to almost every Sunday for three months, says, "Oh my God, they're making a new Star Wars movie." <laughs> and we're like, "What? If, she must been, be a big, big time football fan." What have we fan? been talking? No, she just wasn't <laughs> listening to our asses because right, we're right. we're just nerding out over on the couch. Right, you know? right. But we're like, we've been talking about this movie for three months. Like while you've been here, and she's like, "Oh, I don't listen to you." you know, like, yeah, I watch but, football. But that's that's how a normal person finds yeah, out right. about this stuff yeah. is they see it on a major sporting event or or a, or a, something like that or a talk show. And uh, and that's how they find out. That's that's actually my mom was the first person to, to ask me about that Facebook watch thing. You remember oh, that geez, video yeah. thing? She's like, "What's that?" I'm like, "How do you know about that?" She's like, "Oh, there was they talked about it on the View." Yeah, that's how people find out about this stuff. Not E3. But E3 is the one opportunity for games to end up on shows like that. If something big breaks at E3, they might end up making it on the talk show circuit, or it might be on the nightly news. Not if news they have nothing or... to bring. I mean, sometimes Reggie shows up on stuff like that. For like the for that, Nintendo like, will embrace that. Right. Idea. Like if Nintendo Labo had been announced at E3, it probably would have ended up on at least a few of those shows. If they were willing to bring it to one of those right. shows, sure. Which they would. But be. what That's usually Nintendo. happens is something like that happens, and some even sometimes it's even the same people that ask me around the time the thing comes out that said, like, oh, I saw that on the news. And then six months later, they've completely forgotten about it. And they're like, oh, there's a thing, this thing's coming out? It's like, they don't retain that information because they don't care to the degree that we care. Yeah. So, like, I don't think it really buys you a whole lot of, of, of mind share uh, beyond that initial week of E3. Um, and the only thing that's going to make a PlayStation 5 announcement significant or a PlayStation 5 release significant is the fact that the number 5 is at the end of it. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, that's it. Like we, because trying to explain to someone what the who doesn't really follow games or really care about games, just likes to play games, what the PlayStation 4 Pro was, was an exercise. Oh, in, uh, yeah, just, no. <laughs> it's like, not it's, happening. <laughs> you get into the whole, like, it's like HDR. No, I'm, not, checkerboard not, not, I'm not explaining what HDR is to you. I'm just, it makes it prettier. Trust yeah. me. But it doesn't make it prettier for you because you don't have a TV that does it. So right. don't, just forget it. Don't, yeah, just act like it never existed. Don't buy it. <laughs> don't buy it. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. Just, just, just stop. All right, we should move on. Uh, we're going to talk next about the next Bioshock game, which was just broken very nonchalantly by our favorite games journalist, I might add, Jason Schreier, once again. Uh, as we said, he's like one of the only real journalists in the industry. He went... It's because in, he doesn't sleep. I guess, apparently not. Little known fact. He, uh, he, he went to do a feature on what went wrong with Mafia 3. He comes... He goes to visit... I mean, this may have killed the studio, by the way, Mafia 3. It did... Mm -hmm really poorly compared to what it was supposed to have done and after how long it was in development. He writes his Still feature... Still doesn't run a steady frame rate on my PC. Yeah, I know. It was a, pretty much a disaster. 
And uh, he goes to talk to the studio about, hey, what happened with this game? And he writes it up in very nonchalantly in like the third paragraph of the feature. He writes, he compares that studio to the studio right next door that is making the new Bioshock. Hmm. It's like, there's your story. Like, <laughs> it's not about this developer who bombed making Mafia 3. Except that got a lot of people to read that Mafia 3. It absolutely click did. Click on that Mafia 3 story. I mean, it? most people probably didn't read it past the third paragraph. But, but they still got that click. <laughs> they sure did. And uh, yeah, so he just nonchalantly, brand new studio next door, working on a new Bioshock game. Uh, rumors have been swirling for a while. There were uh, job listings. Again, job listings mm. are like the number one thing that breaks like game news was what? what? Infinite was what, five years ago? Yeah. Early 2013? Yeah, that sounds right. So, I mean, it's obviously due. Uh, we're due for a new Bioshock. But now this is the first official confirmation that it's coming. Because mm. if he had written that and it weren't true, like we were saying earlier, he would have had to retract his comment. The publishers would have come to him and be like, I don't know where you heard that. That's not true. That has not happened. That information is still live on Kotaku. So, absolutely, a new studio is working on a new Bioshock. Now the question becomes, Matt, what do you want from the new Bioshock? Nothing. Nothing? If Ken Levine's not making it, I don't really care. Really? No. Ken Levine is, the, and, and the Irrational guys are that series to me. Uh, I did not like Bioshock 2 outside of Minerva's Den, the DLC they did. Yeah. Um, I found it extraneous, and I think only Levine and his team really understood what Bioshock was or should be, even with the shortcomings I found of Infinite. Um, and I'm not particularly interested in someone else picking that, that baton up. Uh, unless, unless you know, I gotta see it and see what it is. But like, I just it that that this series seems so propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> this series seems uh, so rooted in the people who made it that I don't really know if I am on board for handing it over to other people. Well, here's what I'll say. So I booted this up to grab some footage very quickly, mm -hmm. um, and immediately realized how much better this game is than both of the games that came after it. I would agree with and that. And Infinite included, which was made by that team. Yeah. Um, Infinite, I think, had a lot of uh, development hell issues. Like, I think a lot of Infinite ended up on the cutting room floor. I really liked Infinite. but what they, I really liked the first third of Infinite. What they told us the game was going to be and what it ultimately ended up being were two entirely yep. different things. I still enjoyed it. It was more of a traditional first-person shooter Mm. Um, than the first Bioshock was. Uh, I think this DLC, uh, uh, the kind of the noir thing that took place in Rapture, helped kind of complete the picture of Infinite yeah. more. But uh, yeah, I felt like there was a lot more ambition to Infinite originally. Uh, that they were going to reinvent things, and like there were there were some real hard stories that were. Uh, Kind of hinted at in the first, you know, that open a big opening sequence where they bring in the racism idea, yeah, and they yeah. bring all, and then all that stuff is basically just, just disappears, yeah. it just vanishes, and uh, the, the relationship between Booker and Elizabeth just sort of like happens. There's no, there's no time for it to breathe. Like it feels right. like the whole middle of that game story was just removed to ship it, you know, because it'd been delayed over and over and over. It felt, it felt like at some point it was just like a, like a, like a triage job. Oh, get, get it done, get it out, get it out there. We're done. And again, I liked the game. I liked it. I didn't love it. But I, I did love Bioshock 1. Absolutely. Love like, Bioshock again, 1. I booted it up again to capture some footage really quick, and I didn't want to stop playing. Yeah. Um, the one thing I feel like, and I don't really even want to talk about Bioshock 2, because it's just, 
It's not worth talking about, no. I think, in the framework of this discussion. The only, Minerva's Den is good. Yeah. Uh, but overall, Bioshock 2 should probably not have been made. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And Infinite, to me, Infinite lost the edge that the first Bioshock had. Mm -hmm. The first Bioshock was borderline horror game in a lot of ways. That vibe was completely absent um, in Infinite. Infinite was more of like a tongue-in-cheek, like cheeky, I guess is a good way to describe it, experience. <laughs> it was um, about a very different idea. Um, yeah, I w I'm... The tone of the two games, they're just entirely different to me. Yeah. Even though they kind of connect up at the back if you play through and include the, the Buried at Sea DLC. Right. I think it all, it fits together better once that's I mean, once the universes are consistent. Right. Like, I, I felt like I was playing a Bioshock game when I played Infinite. Mm -hmm. But just the tone and the, the overall feeling I had as the player while I played Infinite was completely different from the first Bioshock. And I don't, I think that's good. I think that's, you know, if you can make two games that clearly take place in the same universe, but don't, you know, aren't beholden to the same tone, that's great. Um, I just think Bioshock 1, like, it follows through on everything it sets up, everything it starts out with pays off at some point. Uh, it accomplishes, I think, every single thing it wants to accomplish, and I feel like Infinite doesn't, for the most part. And that's, that's where I find, like, and it got to the point where, like, the last third of, in, of Infinite has about five too many gun battles. Yeah. And I mean, it just, just turns no, into a shooter at the turn, end. Yeah, and, like, and there's no... Like, one of the great things about Bioshock is, like, you know, and I know that Infinite has, like, the wind-up, you know, clockwork pre you know, president and founding fathers as kind of, like, a nod to the Big Daddy thing. But one of the things that made the Big Daddy really interesting was that you, they generally were not aggressive towards you. You had to, you had to kind of start the fight. Yep. And planning how you were going to kind of make, how to hope that fight unfolded and trap, use your traps and do all that, that was half the fun of like setting up those big daddy fights. And in Infinite, the, the clockwork patriot guys, uh, they stand there and shoot. Like, the, like there's, no, there's, no, there's nothing like that. It's just like, okay, just shoot, shoot, shoot. It's, they're just bullet sponges. There's no... There's no strategy to it. There's no tension to it. It's just it's just more guys to kill. I, I looked at the first Bioshock as an action adventure. I looked at Bioshock Infinite as a shooter. Mm -hmm. But I don't think Bioshock Infinite's shooting is very good. It's not. No, it's, it's serviceable. Yeah, but. I mean that's also true of Bioshock One, but it's, it doesn't lean on. It's it not as, as hard. demanding. It doesn't right. demand as much from the player. Also, like the 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 the. the There's not a whole lot of circle strafing going on in no, the first Bioshock. No, I can't. I, I forgot the name of the damn. Powers. Oh, the elixirs? Yeah, no, the your abilities, your whatever you call them. Oh. Yeah. Those exist in Bioshock 1 to basically slow down or hinder the enemies to the point that you can shoot them. Right. Like, yeah. they, they, it works in concert. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Infinite, I feel like you don't even need the ability. I just shot my way through that whole game. Yeah. The whole way through. Um, so I'm not... I'm actually not that averse to a new studio working on Bioshock. Um, I don't know that the people had a lot to do with what tied the first and, and Infinite together for me. I think it was more about the art style, the music that was in the game, kind of the, the era that it was set in, even though it wasn't really that yeah, era. A lot, all that comes from the, the Levine and the Irrational team. Like that was, they nailed that, the setting and that tone and, the, and that, all that in a way that Bioshock 2 just couldn't. And, and Bioshock 2 was even set in the same place as Bioshock right. 1, and it just didn't work. <laughs> like, the magic it was in that Irrational team, to me. And, like, 
until someone, I mean, I guess, you know, this new one could come out and prove me completely wrong. Maybe they have some irrational people on, because obviously that team kind of dissolved. Yeah. And I think Levine took, like, some of the... A couple of them. A couple of them and formed, like, a smaller team, and they're doing whatever they're doing. Yeah. Um, Like, 15 people or something, I think it was. Um, But, like, you know, so maybe a lot of the people that didn't go to that team are working on that. I don't know what what the plan is here. But, like, I, my skepticism is, like, top, top of the left. Like, 10 out of 10 skepticism on this game right now. I, I'm nowhere near there. Like, I'm probably at, like, a 3 or a 4. Um, I think the publisher helps with, helps satiate my concerns a little bit. Because other than Mafia 3, uh, it generally has a really good track record uh, with not putting out games until they're good and they're finished. Um... So I think maybe I'm given a little bit, lending a little bit of credence to that, that the, its publisher generally puts out really good games that are polished and unique and different. And again, I think that the aesthetic of Bioshock is pretty easy to replicate. Um, the soul of a game is never easy to replicate, and I would agree with you that that is sort of something special with this franchise, thanks to Irrational. Uh, but I think the just the physical aesthetic, the the outward aesthetic of the of the series is not that challenging to to replicate. I don't think so. But I just like you know, looking like Bioshock isn't the same as feeling like Bioshock. And you got one of the most. But important... you could argue even Irrational really only got it right one time. Yeah, but like, but part of the, I think part of the reason and I still enjoyed Infinite. But part of the, the reason Infinite part of the reason Infinite didn't work is because they were too ambitious in trying to reinvent the game. Uh, and that's better than Bioshock 2, which was just, we're just going to make the same game again without the soul. Um, and if I had to guess what the, uh, a further Bioshock would be, it would be more like, probably end up more like Bioshock 2. Um, which is competent, but not on the, on par with kind of, it doesn't have that certain something that, that one, infinite and especially one have. And Frank, I mean, to some degree, I would have been fine with one existing on its own for by forever. Like you don't, I don't think you need more Bioshocks after that. After after one, um, and even but then, you know that was never going to happen. Yeah, but <laughs> when like, you have a hit like that. It's, but uh, the most important thing with a Bioshock game isn't even isn't even the setting and the tone. The most important thing is to have a story to tell. The most important thing is to have something that everything else plugs into, and they have that in one very strongly in the kind of the objectivist uh, Ayn Rand sort of, you know, collective community that goes horribly wrong as it inevitably must. Uh, Last Boss was a little on the nose, but there you go. Um, But like, and then Infinite, you can see that. I don't think they quite pull it off as well. Um, But you can see that like the idea of taking this floating city named after the, the goddess that we associate with the embodiment of America and kind of exploring sort of the hypocrisy of, of that image versus how the reality was. And kind of, I mean, that's all there. That isn't there in Bioshock 2. Bioshock 2 is just trying to tell another story set in, in Rapture. Same place, yeah. um, so if you're going to do this, like you basically got to come up, I mean, I don't know, you need like a, an, a, a space station that's entirely devoted to Stalinism or something. I don't <laughs> know. Like, like you, need, you, need a, you need a weird location. But that's, that's what yeah, Bioshock weird is fans- to me, is creating this fantasy world that is really, really interesting to visit. Right, but you need like a fanciful, weird location that, is, that works hand-in-hand hand with a, like a system of government or, or ideology that you intend to explore or satirize or take down, or all three. Uh, and 
it can't just be like, oh, hey, look, everything's Art Deco. You know, like that's, yeah. that's not Bioshock. Bioshock is associated with that because Bioshock 1 did that so well. But you don't need that to be, like, you don't have to be beholden to that artwork, that, that, that architecture, to make a Bioshock game. I just hope that whoever's making this... It's kind of like the Assassin's that. Creed template. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can, yeah, yeah, you can make an Assassin's Creed anywhere. Yeah. Um, as apparently, and a Bioshock, you can Apparently, too. as long as you put really boring modern-day sequences in it. Um, <laughs> but, like, Bioshock, like Bioshock is, is not about, like, everything needs to look like Rapture. Bioshock is about you need an idea, and you need a setting, and you need a point of view. And hopefully, whoever's making this game understands that. And I think because it, Ken it, Levine it needs, understands I think it that. needs to make the player feel uncomfortable. Yeah. That, to me, is an important element of Bioshock. Like... They put you in uh, moral quandaries that make you question yourself, question the game. Mm. Um, the whole dichotomy with the the sisters and the big daddies, uh, the just going into the world of Infinite, where it is almost like a rewind back to like 1950s America, where you have these factions of people who feel emboldened to express views that in current day would be frowned upon. It just and yet. And yet, right? And um, both games just were made me feel unsettled. I guess is the best right. way to put well, it. And I love games like that. Well, at its best, Bioshock is about identity, and you know, it's, it's obviously in both One and Infinite, you don't know who you are as a pl- right. the player. Yeah, that's a good point. You, know, you yeah. don't, you don't, and, and you know, well, a big revelation and a big uh, turning point of both games is realizing who the player character is. No, you're right. And yep. Um, and you know, and and kind of the friction that you create. And that's when probably you're... part of what unsettles me yeah. when I play the games. I'm oh, like, yeah, who am should, I? It should. What am I supposed to be? And it, but like, you know, that's, that can also become a really irritating thing in a lesser game. That oh can yeah, be an annoying for sure. Thing. Yeah. Um, it can be a cheap and it can plot be device, done. Like yeah. I, I mean, I I wouldn't put it on the level of the Bioshocks, but uh, Singularity, if you remember that game, yeah. uh, which was set in a set in a like a Russian research station. Uh, which uh, it almost kind of is the Stalinist sort of like equivalent of Bioshock. It's a similar kind of action adventure as Bioshock 1 involves some time travel and some weird government shenanigans. Um, that I thought captured the same idea a little bit as well because it turns out you're somebody else you didn't realize you were in that as well. Like there needs to be that and you need to be the idea of identity and it also needs to be that identity rubbing up against the identities of all these other characters who are in general unhinged. Yeah. Um, especially in one, not so much in infinite, so, uh, although they, they kind of hint at that in places. And you also need giant clockwork monsters of some kind. I mean, like the songbird or the big daddies. Yeah. Um, which again, I don't think quite gets there in infinite, but... Uh, I'd agree. Um, but the elements are all in place in Infinite. It just doesn't quite gel. Well, I'll say this much. I enjoy, I've enjoyed two of the three games in this series so much that I'm going to be willing to give this third one a chance. I hope it's good. No I matter just... who's making it or even what the initial impressions are, I would just like to see what another studio would do when trying to create this franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's really, one of the to me, one of the unique properties in gaming. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I just... I feel like this is either going to be, oh my god, these guys managed to nail it. Some, whoever was in charge of this this team gets it, understood it, like you know, figured it, figured out a way to continue it, figured out a new idea that made it feels like Bioshock but isn't a retread. They nailed it, or it's just going to be another game set in Rapture, and it's just going to be a, 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 a paint by numbers Bioshock jigsaw puzzle. I think no matter what, it's going to be a tough sell. Even if it's great, mm-hmm. I think some people are just going to hate it just because it's not the original team that, that made it. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm I'm not gonna hate it because it's not the original team, but I I'm I'm gonna side eye it for. I think a lot of people will do that. Entire development cycle. Absolutely, yeah. So I think you think we'll get a look at the city three. Maybe. I mean, what else are they showing? But uh, 2K I'm, doesn't have to show anything. That's they, true. They have yeah. Red Dead coming out, and presumably Grand Theft Auto Six pretty soon. I don't. Know. Not this generation. Oh, they've got to put it out this gen. They, that means they would put out no GTA this entire generation. I think GTA Six is four years away minimum. Oh, that's crazy. It can't be. I think it'll be out in the next year and a half, two years. No way in hell. We'll see. Rockstar North is making <laughs> has been making Red Dead Redemption. Kinda. Yeah, that they're the ones who made it. Yeah, they're putting their name on it, but I, I don't... Who made it then? Well, they still have some people left from that team that worked on the first game. They fired all those people. Well, Rockstar's... they dissolved the studio. That doesn't mean that they didn't absorb a lot of the people who are working on the game. I don't game. think a lot of people from San Diego moved to Scotland. To work on a Rockstar game? Mm, most of those people... The, the, the lead people for the, the San Diego one didn't work there anymore after they yeah. shipped. Well, you know the lead people are going to lose their jobs because... The people who work at Rockstar North, there's no way. They're, of course yeah, they're going to take the But help. if you're going to be working on two projects simultaneously, you need lead people for both of them, which means that yeah. if they then take those people, they're, they're, either Rockstar North has grown exponentially. Which or they it very were, well could have. Could have, but I, I, I don't, you know, there were more of those leaks recently where they're like, yeah, we got some pre-production ideas for GTA 6. Like, I, think that, I didn't see that. I think that game is, six, is four years out, three, that's four insane. years out. If that's the case, screw Grand Theft Auto Online. Screw you. Because you're keeping me from playing a new GTA. And yeah, that, you're probably not wrong. Yeah. All right, let's move along. We're going to talk next about one of my favorite racing games ever. Mm. Ever. Wave Race 64, probably my top five racing games of all time. Actually, probably my top three. Um, part of it might be that I was really freaking good at it. Like, literally, I, I don't know if I've met anybody who mm. back in 90, was it 97 that that came out? That sounds right. 97. Yeah. No, Back, no, I think it was 96, wasn't it? I don't know no, if it launch? made it out the first year. I thought that was launch. It, it came out immediately after launch in Japan, but I think it, there was a little bit of a delay. I can't remember. But anyway, back then, I'd never found anybody who could compete with me at Wave Race. In fact, it was just boring. Like After a while, I got so good at it that it wasn't even fun playing multiplayer. So I have a big-time soft spot in my heart for Wave Race. So this week, it came out that the producer of the original Wave Race 64 essentially said, hey a Switch Wave Race is coming. Um, now, what we're seeing right now, this is Wave Race Blue Storm, which was a GameCube. GameCube game, which was developed by NST. It was not developed in-house by Nintendo. Now, I would say, we were talking just a minute ago about new studios taking on old IPs. I would say that NST did a pretty good job on this because the most important part of Wave Race to me was the wave physics and mm -hmm. the way the jet skis reacted to the waves. I've, Without I would, that, it's just a car racing game. Basically. I would I would actually say that the controls in both Wave Race games are probably the best controls in a racing game ever, as far as realism is concerned. I've never played a racing game that felt more like you're racing actually what you're racing. Um, and I think that presented a lot of problems for people when they played Wave Race because they tried to play it like a typical racing driving game, and they think when they come to a turn, they have to crank the stick over to the side and that's not how you play this game at all. It is literally a game of very, very fine adjustments as your jet ski reacts to the waves. <coughs> what I really loved about it was after you would go through a really rough patch with waves and you would get on a, on a, like a really smooth portion of the water, like the feeling that you got was like relief. 
Because you're like, oh, I don't have to like watch each wave and like make these minute adjustments with every little jostle of the jet ski. I've just never played a racing game that generated the feelings that Wave Race did for me. Um, and now it apparently we're getting one for Switch. And so I'm curious, Matt, did you play the original Wave Race or Blue Storm all that yeah, much? I played both of them. What, how do you feel about those games? Mm, I don't care about them. Um, Blue Storm has a special place for me in the sense that it was the first game I, that someone showed me the difference between uh, component progressive scan oh. <laughs> and composite. Yeah. Where, like, he, he, uh, you remember Andrew? Yeah, yeah. Of so it was him. He had, he had both, he had the N64, or he had the, the GameCube, he had two GameCubes. So he hooked up a GameCube through composite, and he hooked up a GameCube through component, with both with Wave Race in them. And switch between them, with like, and, it, and it was like he switches <laughs> to the component, and suddenly you can see I can read all the stickers on the jet ski. Yeah, and I, that was when I was sold on okay, resolution is a very important thing. Um, but in terms of like actually playing it, like I I never got too into it. Like it was uh, it's fun. I like, guess impressive. Uh, I like how it looks. Uh, what did you not like about it? I'm curious. I, I'm not a huge racing person. I don't care who's first so no. much if there's no kind of progression to it like if it's just like you know race do a race now do another race now do another race now do another race like that doesn't hook me the reason no, I, I absolutely agree with that about this franchise the that, reason i get hooked on something like forza is because there's a progression system to i have my cars in my garage i need to afford this other car to get into this race i need to do this yeah that's what keeps me playing whereas like just playing a race over and a race and a race and a race like nothing about that interests me now, I agree with you a million percent about this franchise in general, is that for both releases, they're just, there was never anywhere near enough meat on the bone. Mm -hmm. They're just a re they're really, they were really bare bones to me, and while they are really impressive in terms of how the physics work and how they feel like the real thing, and they, they feel authentic. They feel, you know, you, you believe you're on water when you're playing it. And um, the other thing about this series is it blows my mind that there hasn't been one since the GameCube. Like, it yeah. feels like feels like this would have been an, a really obvious Wii game. But maybe that's why, Matt. It's because boing, boing, the, like the, the driving thing. genre has kind of left this type of design behind. Like, you yeah. can't really just make a game anymore that is has a Grand Prix where you race through eight different tracks a right, couple but, different times. But there's then, no reason you can't adapt this to like a, a more you know career-driven mode. Like the, you know, you could. No, you absolutely can. I just think Nintendo has no interest in doing that whatsoever. I mean, if it won't True. do it with Mario Kart, why would it do it with Wave Race? Yeah. Well, maybe because Wave Race is going to require a little more meat on the bone than just hey, it's Mario. Like it doesn't have the cachet of Mario Kart. Um, I'm, I'm I'd be interested to see what they do with this. I certainly would like to see what a modern wave race looks like. Like, I mean, this. I mean, I mean this. Not. I'm not saying this looks bad, but it sure looks old now. You know, like outside of the water physics. Well, it's low poly. Yeah, yeah. Everything. The track. The side track like this, size. And like, really, this isn't even too good looking by GameCube standards now. Uh, they're much better looking GameCube games. Um, that's cool. I mean, look, they need all the freaking. I mean, I would prefer an F Zero game, but uh, see, I would not. I would absolutely prefer a new Wave Race over F-Zero because of how it feels. Like, I would, I remember finishing races of this game and you'd just be, like, mentally exhausted because you can't... It's not like a normal driving game where you're like, up oh, the road's always flat. Mm -hmm. And I know how these tires are going to react and I know when I need to hit my brake and I know the how apex turns work and I know where to go in, I know where to exit the turn. 
this game is just every race was different and unpredictable. Like you could just be going, you could be in the lead and all of a sudden some weird rogue wave comes along and you aren't prepared for it and it knocks you completely mm -hmm. off course and someone else is good just passes you. Like I felt like this racing game was the true test of someone's skill. See, I think that's why I don't like it is because as much as because to me racing should be about the perfection of those skills and not about the random number god throwing a bad wave at you. But that's the way water so, is. Yeah, well, that's why I wouldn't race on water because it's see, annoying. Well, but that's not what it was. If you were good enough and you had the ability to adjust to that wave that's mm, hitting you. Absolutely. Not, not, not if it hit you in the wrong place. No, no, definitely not. It, uh, absolutely. Well, then, well, Matt, then, I've played this game for hundreds of hours. And we would get to the point where we would turn everything off. You, like, we, it, like... It was okay, the but, purest okay, racing you, of the okay, there was. Okay, but if you're going to say that, you never get to question me again when I tell you that everything in Bloodborne and Dark Souls is skill-driven. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, absolutely. There is no random stuff. You're in comparing Dark Souls. an action RPG with a jet ski racing yeah, game. Yeah, but I'm saying the whole reason. There's no more apples to oranges comparison than that. It's completely apples to apples because it's skill-driven. Like you have to get good at it. And the, what I'm kind of saying about wave race. What I say about what I'm saying the about Souls games is that they're unfair and they don't respect the player's time. And you're wrong. No. But you're not good. If you at, play, you, if you put a checkpoint like 80 miles apart, it has nothing to do with how good you are. It's just annoying that you have to be able to play through that 80. Whatever section. Well, if I'm in the lead and I get hit with a rogue wave and I don't do the exact right thing and I get stuck in third place because of that right before the finish line, that is also annoying. And the difference is, I never had any felt any kind of incentive to get good enough at wave race to counteract stuff like that. You don't feel any incentive to get good enough at Dark Souls to counteract that situation. It's that kind of thing. It's like either either you you get absorbed in this in the skill-driven idea of becoming good enough to counteract these random things that get thrown at you, or you don't. And for whatever reason. Probably because there just wasn't any progression to it. Wave Race never hooked me in that way. And like the racing was good enough for me is what it was. The feeling, the realism, uh, it was that was all I needed. And I was lucky. I did have like a group of friends who got into it just as much as I did. And so we just pushed each other to keep getting better at the game. And I mean, we just had serious throwdowns in this game, man. I think like that people was part would come over and like try to race us, and we'd literally like lap them in a three-lap race. That's how I think good that was we got literally. I think that was part of the problem. Was like, in my group of friends, no one cared enough to get good uh, enough at this to make it an interesting competition. It was. It and was look, I didn't like, play Blue Storm like that, by the way. I played the Wave mm -hmm. Race '64 like that. I think I, I played more Blue Storm. I don't I don't have a lot of memories of the N sixty four one. I just, I think I, I played it because it was so early in the system's life. There was nothing else to play. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, that's why I bought it initially. Right. I was like, why would I ever want a jet ski I, racing? I think for game? me for me the game equivalent of that was Ki Killer Instinct Gold. It was yeah, like I got nothing I else to play, too, so I'm just going to yeah, play this I obsessively. Did not enjoy it hardly at all. I went back to that recently, and I'm just like, no, this isn't good. Like, yeah, I, I was, it was just because I had nothing else to do. Um, like wave that, those were the N64 days, Matt. You, yeah. I, I bought a lot of games that today I would definitely never buy. Oh, I think uh, Killer, I think Killer Instinct and Shadows of the Empire I bought before I had the system. Yeah, like that, I played Shadows well, of the Empire. You, in part because you remember the the cartridges were so rare, it's like there were there were shortages. And you yeah, that's right. And like I remember, I didn't expect to get the system until Christmas, but I bought Shadows of the Empire in August. Yeah, because I was like, if I can't find this come Christmas, I enjoy time, Shadows of the Empire. Set. It's all right. Go back and play it now. It's it's. Uh, well, it's, a lot yeah. of early 3D games are like that, though. The, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. The Hoth level still works okay, but yeah. anything else on foot is just like, oof. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. The only other notable thing about that game is you got to see what the bottom of a Dianoga looked like. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. Bl- Do you think I, people will care about this though? Because it seems like you don't care. I don't. I'm really excited about it, but you don't. You don't care about it. I'm at sure all. as hell not spending sixty bucks for it, uh, unless it's like some kind of super reinvention of the franchise that has yeah. like, a lot of meat on it. I wouldn't recommend um, people buy it at sixty dollars if it's the same design mm-hmm. as the first two games. I wouldn't because racing games have come so far. Back when this came out on the GameCube, racing games were still just kind of like this. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, we have 11 tracks. Here's a Grand Prix. We have like 10 riders or drivers or whatever, or cars. Yep. Go race. I was, I was like, this is just not very, there's no personality in this. And, you know, even F-Zero has characters in it, you know? Yeah. Even 1080 had characters in it. And some well, kind they of like... try to do that in this one. Like, they have, they're, they, they tried. But yeah. I agree, they, they failed. There's <laughs> really... There's not. I can't remember a single writer's name from this, but I can remember I, the writer's names from 1080. It would honestly be news to me that they don't that they have names. They do, yeah. And I don't actually remember many names from 1080, but I at least remember the the selection screen where the they're you're playing, hanging out in the cabin. You're hanging out in the cabin and they're playing Rocket Body, Rock Rocket right. Body. Like, like yeah, <laughs> that game I played a lot more in terms of just like a realistic feeling racing game. That I mean, no, they were racing. they were kindred spirits. 1080 yeah. snowboarding and wave race because they concentrated mostly on replicating the real feeling of doing what you're doing. Um, and I think that was maybe in the early 3D days was something I was kind of striving to find were 3D video games that made it as close to virtual reality as possible where it actually felt like I was doing And then with the Rumble Pack instituted with all of it, it mm-hmm. just made it all the more realistic. And so... Back then, like <coughs> realism to me was really important in, in 3D games. Now, not not as much, or not even close, really, to be honest. But I think well, part of it was because like the idea of realism was sort of the the holy grail of, of 3D at the time. It was just like, oh, this feels so real. Like that was you know, we hadn't learned yet that it's like that's not actually automatically fun. No, yeah, um, you're absolutely right. Because we'd only been playing 3D games for like yeah. three months and at the time of this i think i think my my racing game of, of choice at the time was uh, like need for speed hot pursuit yeah um the pc version of uh, porsche unleashed uh that kind of stuff it was you know that sort of like that oh it kind of feels real but it's really just arcade but it's like got a little you know kind of like what the balance at forza horizon struck later on was like porsche unleashed and the pc version of um of hot pursuit and uh and um most wanted were tremendously moddable. You could make them look really good by the standards of the time, uh, and they they felt like this game. They felt authentic when you played them. It, yeah. was, it was you know, but like I f- I always found the wave physics in this to be impressive technically, but too RNG for my taste in terms of just trying to play a game. There are just some of those special moments in this game, like when you catch a wave, like when you're mm. ri- you're riding along and a wave builds up behind you. And your jet ski gets on the crest of that wave, and you just stay on the crest of that wave for like a hundred yards. Like that stuff just happens like all the time, and I think that's why I enjoyed it. It's like even if you race the same track, it was never the same twice around. Mm-hmm. There was just always a different wave or a different approach you could take. And then there's there's the tricks which are light, but there was like the whole diving below the water and all that kind of stuff. Um, well, I hope they get the Slim Jim sponsorship back. <laughs> I haven't seen a Slim Jim commercial in a long friggin' time. Oh, they still show up. I guess I'm uh, I'm not watching MTV anymore or no. whatever. I don't see Slim Jim so much as the Jack Links jerky with messing with Sasquatch. Sasquatch, that's, yeah, that's I do the see those. They show those during football a lot. So I really, is, it, uh, can you follow up Slim Jims with, now that Randy Savage is no longer with us? No, you can't. I didn't. Wait, he's dead. Oh, that's he right. Died years he did, ago, he just died. Yeah, I forget. 
Wait, I thought it was just like two years ago. Is that, that right? A, yeah, well, that's years ago. Yeah, that's plural. More than one. That, that's a long time ago to someone who's not as old as us. Yeah, I guess it's true. So, I don't know. I personally am really excited for a new Wave Race. Um, I think it's a good choice. I would love to see it on a more powerful console. Like, I'd love well, to see yeah. a Wave Race on Xbox welcome, One X welcome or whatever. Welcome to Nintendo. But, but like, it is what it is. I'll it's, it's been, what, three systems since yeah. the last one? So, one way or the other, it's going to look real good. I'll take what I can get, though, at this point. Because I really didn't think I'd see another certainly one. Because Bluestorm done... did not do well, by the way. Just no. like uh, 1080 Avalanche did terrible on GameCube as well. So I would rather see 1080 or uh, F-Zero come back. But really... I'm all for them resurrecting their old franchises that have been neglected for so long. Um, Wave Race is one of the oldest neglected franchises at this point. We haven't seen one of those since early 2000s. So yeah, yeah, it's good. And they need to fill some holes in that release schedule, so that's a that's a good choice. And I think, to me, this game would fill more than a hole. Like, this is one of those games that I would play for months and months and months. Well, the other thing, provided course, they nail it. And the other, I mean, it doesn't apply to me because I don't play the thing handheld, but like, you know, a racing game is a good portable option. Yeah, I don't know if this one would be, though. Well, yeah, it'd be pretty hard. I mean, that's yeah. the thing is like, you know, and then maybe that's why they may not make it or Precision whatever. controls while you're holding the screen tends to be a little it's different. Tough. Absolutely. But I don't know. People can play Monster Hunter handheld. They can probably play this handheld. That's a good point. Let's move on. We're going to talk next about Halo 6. Yet another job listing leak comes out. And they're, Did you really just stop hiring people? They really... <laughs> I don't know how you get around it. I mean... In this case, they basically said it was Halo, though. Yeah, at a certain point, I just, it's like, whatever. Like, well, you gotta, when you also, you when it. you know that a studio only makes one franchise. Right. Yeah, 343 is looking for people. You know what they're after. Yep. So. And uh, in the job listing, they wanted people with experience making games in 4K at 60 frames per second. They specifically had mm. that in the listing. So, Matt, Halo 6, 4K native, 60 frames per second. You think it's possible? On the X. Probably, yeah. So that know. means we're not we're only gonna get one Halo for Xbox One, essentially. Mm, probably. Was was five not on one? It is, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I guess four was on four one. Four was four was three sixty. Yeah, so that would mean we get one just on the base Xbox One. Because chance, well, I guess it'll probably scale down for yeah, one. It'll still work. I mean, I don't know if it'll be 4K 60 frames a second. Oh, definitely on not. The, on the S. <laughs> There's no way that it'll work on the S at that. But clearly they're targeting, you know, that's, that's also incentive to buy an X, I guess, if you're, you're really married to the 60 frames a second idea. Yeah, I, uh, I was kind of surprised to see that that was their target, 4K 60. Um, there aren't many games that run in 4K at 60 frames per second at all right now. Um, and I was, so I was kind of surprised to see that that was sort of their baseline requirement for the game. Mm. Well, they got to do something, right? Because otherwise, what, it's like, well, it's Halo again. So you should, you know, focus on the performance, especially if if they're going to... You just launched the X. If they're going to take another shot at kind of the eSports thing with this series, like you're going to need something that runs solid and well. Uh, 60 is kind of the minimum, the minimum standard in that regard. Makes sense to me. Who knows if who knows if the campaign will run at sixty? That's happened before. Yeah, the multiplayer runs faster than the campaign. That happens a lot, actually. I mean, it's been it's happened a ton on Call mm -hmm. of Duty as well. Do you think that uh, because of these specs, that maybe this is a launch game for no. Xbox Two? No. 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 The X can the X can run something if they want to basically just keep it at more or less this level with some HDR. Like it would still look really good. It could the the X can run it that fast. You think so? Yeah. No question. 
Vex is a very powerful system. It just has nothing to run right now. <laughs> like, you just wait until Crackdown 3 comes out. I guess, and... <laughs> I guess that is kind of the point. Like, Microsoft needs something to sell the X, right? Yeah. And maybe this is it. But if they're just now hiring folks, which blows my mind. I mean, obviously, I mean, they, are they just this... finished pre-production, I'm guessing. And now I... they're actually going into full production. Yeah, or they're in full production and they're about to hit optimization. Yeah, and, that could be too. Which puts it maybe a year and a half, two years out. And by then, does the X matter? Is Xbox Two not coming at that point? Yeah, it's like barely two years later. Yeah, Xbox One X isn't even a year old. They're not. They're not even thinking. I mean, they are thinking about. It. They're always designing the next. Yeah, hardware. they're already working on. But the that. next Xbox is years out. Years out. They get, Sony's got to make their move first. Like, there's no reason to put another Xbox out yet. Well, there is a reason. Microsoft's doing terrible. That doesn't, that doesn't mean you put out another $500 box of hardware. It doesn't work, didn't work the first time. It's not going to work this time. Let the competition make the first move and then trump them. Yeah, I mean, they, they should have learned that, that lesson the hard way. Yeah, from... I mean, it, it worked for Sony. <laughs> Multiple times. Sony has done that many times. That's how they crushed Sega in the old days, and it's how they uh, took the lead this generation, too. Well, it helped when you had your competitor going before you yeah. in E3 and showing all their goods first. Sony knows. Sony knows how, to, how that plan works. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the Sony conference, the year that both the, the, the 1 and the 4 were announced was just Sony just basically got up on stage and dropped a microphone. Like, that was... Yeah, Microsoft made it easy. Yeah, Microsoft (laughs) made it real easy, but, like, that's kind of the thing. It's like, Microsoft has to learn to, you know, observe what the competition is doing and react to it this time and react to it in a way that makes you look better than the other. I mean, the problem here is, of course, is Sony going to make a mistake on the level of what Microsoft did? Probably not. So, But then they have in the past. Yeah, I mean, you don't know that for sure because... You would have said that before the PlayStation 3 came out. Yeah, but and then we had $599 US dollars. dropped the ball. So, I mean, but, Kudaragi's not there anymore. But. Right. I mean, you got Cerny running the show now, which I think is a much more... Much On the more, tech side. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, that, what I mean is, like, you're not going to have something crazy like a cell processor no, no, pop no. up again. No, because no, Cerny knows not. what he's doing. He, he may keep inflicting Mac sequels on us, but he does know what he's doing. I guess my other question is, do you ever see Halo being what it once was ever again? You mean like kind of the king of the hill in terms? Not probably not. I mean, it does. It seems to have struggled to compete with Call of Duty in the in the, the heyday of Call of Duty. Now you're in. A, I mean, clearly Halo Six will have a battle royale mode. Yeah. Um, but everything will, so it won't be an advantage for anyone. Yeah, it won't be. A, it'll just be like, hey, we can play this in Halo now. Yeah. Um, it's a. It's a. I don't know. I I, it, I think so many egg Microsoft's eggs are in the Halo basket that they can't. It's going to take a lot of games of Halo for people, for them to admit that this doesn't work anymore. I think part, and I don't think the problem. Not that I'm really, saying it doesn't work anymore. I'm just saying like, you know, if it just keeps declining, I mean, part of it is like you got to get the story to work again. Like they made two games in a row that were basically Act Ones that were never followed up on. I don't think the problem is the developer change because we've seen what Bungie no. created afterwards. Is it really that much better than, or is it even better than what the new studio has done with Halo? Yes. You think it's better? I think Destiny feels better because the enemies are not giant bullet sponge idiots. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, they are. Destiny's enemies are bullet sponges. Not if you hit them in the head. Like, there's nothing... I've, I've dumped a lot of lead into Destiny Destiny enemies over the years. Yeah, but you hit them in the head, they pop like yeah. that. Like, I mean, unless you're talking about a boss or something. But even then, they have weak spots. I mean, that, obviously, you've got the kind of the, the raid boss thing is a different story. But what I'm saying is, 
Like, I feel like I can take on a whole group of like six or seven enemies in Destiny and pop some heads and get out of it real quick and smooth. Whereas with the recent Halo games, you're fighting these Prometheans who just soak up damage over and over. You just gotta and they have the empty. shields with like the little shields. Hole. And you gotta wait for the the the. We gotta wait for the weak spot to pop. Yeah. It's just tedious. It's just it's not fun to yeah, play. Yeah, I don't like the enemies in the new in the new Halo games. But I think the bigger problem with with Halo in 2018 is that it's because of what happened with Call of Duty and all these other successful shooters. It has tried to, it's moved away from its identity to try to move to the center. And I think in the course of that, it has completely lost its identity. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't play Halo. It used to be when you played Halo, a new Halo, you could feel it. You knew immediately when you started, this is Halo. You could have swapped out the character models in the game for cubes. And I still would be able to tell you, I'm playing Halo right now. And I feel like it completely lost that feeling over not i don't even know if it was just with the games that are being made by the new studio i would even argue maybe bungie's last game and it kind of started edging that way oh yeah and uh that to me i think honestly if they just went back and made a freaking halo game instead of worrying about what the rest of the industry is doing mm -hmm. i think it would have a chance to kind of recapture that magic again I think it's possible do you think that halo has kind of become is halo your dad's shooter I think to a 17-year-old kid now, absolutely. And I think I have anecdotal evidence to that. Like uh, one of my uncles, he's a huge Halo guy, and he has three sons. And his sons, like, <laughs> you know, they don't play Halo now, but he still gets excited when Halo is coming out. And they're like, they play COD, or they play, probably they're playing Fortnite now or whatever. But he still likes Halo, or he likes to play, like, Battlefield 2142, still mm -hmm. on his PC. And he did get his kids into that. Like, remember I told you the story about the four or five-year-old kid who could play Battlefield, and he had these little hands <laughs> that would scurry all over the keyboard. His hands weren't big enough to just keep him in one place, so he had to move his hands while he played. That was what he was playing, Battlefield 2142. Mm -hmm. And he got really, that little kid got good at it, and his older brother got really good at it, but now they've all moved on, and he still loves Halo. So yeah, I would say... Halo is like the dad's first-person mm. shooter at this point. It's kind of funny. To and that think is about. a very difficult thing to overcome. <laughs> it is, yeah. It absolutely is. But, you know, you have shooters that can come out of nowhere and become a sensation like PUBG or Fortnite. Mm. So I feel like there's always hope, but you're right. Somewhat, I think you just, but you are kind of like, it's a double-edged sword with the, the Halo name. Is like, on one hand, it's the, one of the most recognizable names in, in gaming. On the other hand, when you say Halo, everybody just assumes they already know everything they need to know about it. Yeah. And a lot of times that will translate into disinterest if someone has you know, fallen out of favor with Halo for the last couple of games. There's a lot more competition they got, they now, They got to win a bunch of people back on this one. I, I mean, think. back when Halo was huge, there weren't that many huge first-person shooters on consoles. No. Um, there, there, there certainly weren't 10 or 15 other franchises that were on par quality-wise, no. where how does the shooting feel? Are there no glitches in this game? Mm -hmm. Is there a big multiplayer suite? Halo used to have that market cornered on consoles, and now mm -hmm. it's just one out of dozens. And I think that has been another issue for the yep. franchise. Well, remember, the, the last time Halo was really as big as they want you to think Halo was, was Halo 3. Yep. And it's funny... One of the highest review scores I ever gave a game. Yeah, it's funny because <clears> that same year was Modern Warfare. Yeah. That was where it ended. Like yep. that was that was the peak because you know the the next monster like rose from the depths like at the exact same. And month. then what you saw was the franchise trying to play keep up with Call of Duty, and you started yep. seeing all these little elements creeping into the game. It lost its purity. Yeah, what well, made it a Halo? I'll game. say this: uh, take out 
take out aim down sights. Like, go back yeah. to Halo. I mean, you're right, though. That is one of the huge changes that they made mm-hmm. that made it like every other shooter. Yeah, like, it feels like everything else. Yeah, does. and but firing from the hip, that was what Halo was all about. Mm-hmm. And uh, it completely lost its identity. And I think it just needs to go back and, and say, what is the core of the Halo experience? Go back to that, the mantra of make every 15-minute chunk fun. Mm-hmm. Like... I just feel like it's completely lost what the franchise was built on originally yeah. and made it successful. I just, for me, like right Regardless now, of how old the player is. Yeah, but I right think. now to me, like uh, when you say Halo and you mention like a Halo 6, I think about Halo 5 walking into another another big room and just being like, <sighs> yeah. here we go again. Like Here we well, go again with these stupid Prometheans. And, you know, like, it was never fun. It was never fun to fight these guys and they did two games of them. Halo 4, though, was the worst, dude. That campaign was so bad. I mean, you just walked into a room, killed everything, mm-hmm. and then flipped a switch. Yep. Walked into the next room, killed everything, and hit a switch. Like, I mean, 5 was no prize either. It was better, though. It was better, but... It, Particularly the multiplayer was far better. Yeah, but like it was be- like the campaign was still sort of like, okay, you barely play as Master Chief. Three of the 12 levels are just walking around talking to people. Yeah. And none of it ever pays off. Nothing ever happens. It's act one. Like, you went through this whole act one of four where they're kind of setting up Cortana going rampant. And then act, like, Halo 5 is about trying to find Chief who's trying to find Cortana. And then you find him. It's like, and it, oh, it looks like she might have gone rampant. Like, like, yeah. it's this, like you're in the same place at the end of five as you were at the end yeah. of four. And it's like, tell a story already. Like, yeah. Like, what? Like, a lot of the wonder has left. Yeah. And now you're going to be in a scenario where, like, you know, Marty O'Donnell's gone. And his music is one of the things that makes Halo, Halo. Absolutely. And so you either need to find someone who can replicate him properly, uh, or like, I mean, I guess you could hire someone like that has the verve to kind of replace him, like a Bear McCreary or something. Um, but in general, I think you're going to lose part of your the series identity. And that maybe that's a good thing. It might be time to reinvent that a little bit. But like, I don't know. Like, like It had its own identity, though. And it, it went from being a unique experience to something that just feels like everything else. It just, it's starting to feel like, uh, you know, the, ser- the series used to be this dynamic, you know, this dynamic super soldier with his power armor and his, and his battle rifle. And it's starting to look more and more like a shambling flood zombie. Well, you're right. You're absolutely right. So you think we'll get a look at this at E3? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, it's I, due. It's I certainly it's due. Time. At, at, the very, at the very least, we're getting the like the the, cla- the traditional t- CG teaser. Yeah. Where you don't realize you're looking at Master Chief Even until the last are. five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Man is a thing for close. That would probably be another smart thing in the new Halo. Let us just play as Let's Master, just be Chief. Master Chief. Yeah, I think. Is they it know really that. that hard? I think they know that. There's a reason he's one of the most iconic video game characters ever. Like it was a while, months and months ago. But like Frank O'Connor and some of the three four three people, I did, did like an interview. They're like, yeah, we're really going back to the drawing board, really figuring out what people we, we realized we stepped wrong in some of these places. You so. don't have to go back to the drawing board. It's Master Chief. People love Master Chief. I don't. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I've never really thought he was a great character, but people love him. They recognize him. To go away from him was just. He's kind of silly. A, he's a laconic badass uh, in the way that like early mid two thousands heroes tended to be. I mean, I think he's cut from the same cloth as Kratos in yeah, some ways. I guess. Yeah, Kratos doesn't talk a lot in the original God of Wars. He just sort yeah. of sort of Grunts yell, he and... yells at Athena and then he goes <laughs> Rawr, and then like kills a guy and that's it. You know. Speaking of which. I don't know if you did that on purpose. Of course I did that on purpose. What that was an excellent segue from Matt Kyle. We're ready to go right into God of War. Oh my. Freak out. Oh my. Hmm. What a game, Matt Kyle. Mm-hmm. What a game. I uh, 
A lot of times we, we get on this show and we talk about games that like the critics are giving high scores to and be like, oh, I don't know about that one. I know about this one. Those scale, those scores are on the money, man. This game is absolutely incredible. Um, I think what impresses me the most about it is how it is so drastically changed, but somehow still underneath all of the the updates and the upgrades and the changes, it still feels like a God of War game. And it's not just because you're playing as Kratos. Mm -hmm. It's the the vibe of the game that's the still... The vibe, the, the way... This is what Halo failed to do. Right. The vibe and the way they reinvent the mythology into the game world feels very similar to the old God of Wars. It's, uh, it, the, the way they've... As someone who is pretty familiar with Norse mythology, like, the work they're putting in on this in terms of, like, translating it to how the game needs it to work is really impressive. Um, and leads to a lot of really good moments. Um, I think anyone who likes, like, Norse mythology is going to be pretty pleased by some of the stuff they, they put in here and some of the, the ways they realize some of the things. And you've seen some of these, like, in, like, the, like the E3 demo where the, the world serpent shows up. I mean, that's a great scene. But the other thing you don't re maybe realize is, like, that, that monstrous snake sort of, you know, you empty the lake by waking him up like that. And he sort of hangs over the lake for the rest of the game. Like, he's just sort of up there. Like, there's this, he flies around. There's yeah. this, like, serpent kind of looking down at you. And so, like, when you're, like, on a section of the, like, the islands near him, you'll hear on the soundtrack, like, him breathing. Oh, yeah. And it just sort of rumbles the room if you have a subwoofer. It's, uh, it's, it's very impressive. Dude, the, the old God of Wars feel just like shells. Yeah, well, compared they, to this game in every conceivable way. Yeah, I mean they are what they are. They just it's feel just, completely vapid and I think it's disposable. Under, I think once you play this, it's understandable why they did not release God of War collections alongside this or to build hype for yeah. it. Yeah, because it's just not relevant. It's just completely different. But I, I think that's what amazes me so much is how different it is from the other games. Yet it still feels like a God of War. Well, I think like because there was I remember there was there was some concern uh, where like oh if you're gonna reinvent this so much why use Kratos like why make it God of War other than just slap the name on it to get people to to buy it. And I think after you know playing it and I don't I don't actually know how far in I am. I'm, I'm my axe is upgraded to level four and there's a maximum of five judging by the skill tree so i'm fairly well in yeah i think um this would not be the same game if it was not kratos like kratos's backstory and what came before in the series is very important and tied into how this game tells its story why the story is what it is and why it works so well and if it was just a new character it wouldn't work the same way it needed to be kratos they were very they were very smart in finding a way to reinvent this character while remaining true to who he who he was even though he wasn't really much of a character before he was just a really was mad nothing. really angry dude he was dude. an avatar for anger yeah he was a, he was That's a, all he was he was a he was a, a raging badass and that was about it and now he is a stoic dadass <laughs> But That's like, a great one. but he's got a, but he's got a lot of like character to him, and he's you know the it, it works like it really works. It works, and I came to this game pretty skeptical after all the ten out of tens and stuff. But like, yeah, yeah, they're like, right it's on. that good. It I, really uh, is that good. I honestly think the story and all that stuff is probably the thing that's been changed the least. It's the stuff that you're seeing right here, the the under the hood 
uh, systems that are in the game. I mean, God of War used to have a very simple upgrade system. Oh yeah, well it's just it was a standard hack and slash game. That's it all a, it was. It was a, a beat 'em up. And this has it's just mind blowing to me how the RPG elements in this. Holy cow! Like I cannot they're believe they're taking a lot of cues from various. I mean, they're taking. In world design, they're taking cues from Metroid and Zelda. In in oh yeah, so you go through you know God of War in the past, you go through each level, you never have to come back. No, you could if you miss like one little collectible. This game is built like Metroid, where there are certain mm -hmm. doors that you cannot get into because you don't have that ability yet. You need to find that ability later on, and then come back to these doors to get into them. Yep, and uh, like look and at the trees for everything. Yeah. Like you can upgrade everything in this game, man. Like. Your axe has like three parts to it that you can upgrade. Um, you can upgrade his the sun. You can upgrade his armor, his bow, his mm -hmm. arrows. And they all do different things, and they, it all depends how you want to upgrade in order to, to alter your play style. Like especially with the kid, the kid, the kid can be uh, upgraded so like his armor can let him do different things. Like yeah. right now, I've got an armor on him that lets him uh, if my health, health health gets low, he'll find and throw uh, health packs like health health stones at me. Um, whereas you, but you can also have one where he does more damage uh, when he's like grabbing an enemy, or he'll do uh, more stun when he shoots a guy. Um, there's a lot of freedom to, and like, yeah, I have a, a pommel on my axe now that every time I kill somebody with an axe, I get like two and a half seconds of health regen. Um, Dude, the systems are so deep. I almost felt overwhelmed at first with how the trees and everything worked and what mm. I needed to get to upgrade each thing because some stuff just happens organically too like just out of the blue all of a sudden the boy would start attacking with his knife like mm -hmm. it wasn't anything that i upgraded or anything i did at a certain point in the game the son was now able to fight with well, he be well because there's an actual character development moment for that like right he, where he, he finally gets he over finally, his fear of yeah, killing he finally does stab someone in the to help to save his dad basically and not that his dad needs saving yeah really. i mean that's one of the things that, but like, but after and after that, he can do it. And like, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a lot of attention paid to character continuity in and this. motivations. And, and Why like, would they do this? Why yeah. would they not and there's do this? A, like, there's a section where I don't think you're there yet, but there's a section where uh, the the kid gets really mad at Kratos for something that happens, and for the next like twenty minutes, like. Instead, because you know, the kid's constantly talking, like you're telling yeah. him to do something or do this, or or over here, he's like commenting on things you're passing by. And for the next twenty minutes, the kid was just silent. Really? And like he'd tell him to do something, he's like, mm. and like, like, and I, I, I knew the kid. You know, I knew from the behavior of the character during normal gameplay that the kid was angry at me, and there was nothing I could do to fix it because Kratos is so socially useless that there was nothing. Because <laughs> like, you, you, you see, you know, there's that that element that reticence to kind of be a human being to this kid is a constant thread through the game that you see in like that original E3 demo where the kid has to kill the, the stag and then Kratos kind of reaches out to put his hand on the kid's shoulder and then pulls back. Like yeah. moments like that happen constantly because Kratos is a terrible person. Yeah, it's uh, and, it, that's an interesting, that's the most interesting part of the story to me is the relationship between him and the boy yeah. because... And I'm still not sure where they're gonna go with it. Uh, yeah, like I haven't finished it either. I still have a long way to go, but it's been interesting watching him try to navigate human emotion because mm -hmm. that's really what it is. He doesn't know how to be a dad. He doesn't really know how to love somebody. Although and he seems to have, because like the motivation... He's softer for sure. Yeah, but the motivation for all of this is that uh, his wife and the kid's mother have, has died like right before the is game she starts his wife well whatever i mean i don't know whatever they were living together they, and it's their it's kid his, right yeah but so, i don't but that's one thing i've been wondering is it his wife 
I mean, as much as anything. I mean, it's not like they could go to a church and get married, sure, but like... But, you know, Kratos lays down with pretty much anyone. Yeah, but that... So, is, I don't know if it was just one of his hookups it's not, or... It's not. It's not at all. It's not. That's important to the story, right? Yeah. It's not. This, this was his life. This was a life he, he settled down into. But he wasn't really too involved with the kid. The kid is attached to his mother. The kid takes after his mother. Yeah, it, and it's that's kind been of, interesting too, though. Watching the kid discover who Kratos right. really is, and like there's, you know, and also like Kratos. There's a thread of Kratos discovering that he's not the easiest person in the world to understand. Yeah, yeah, and he should be more understanding about that. And it's like it, it's done very, very well and very kind of sort of like organically. It's it's a it's a it's a real masterclass, I think, in writing two interactive characters over the course of a long quest style game without ever feeling like you're just sort of running in place. Also, um, we should accentuate long. This yeah. is a huge game. It's a good, it's a good size. It is a 20, 30 hour game. Yeah, this isn't a, a God of War 10 to 11 hour. No, you're not going to jump through this thing. And there's a lot of twists and turns. And there's, there's uh, I mean, if you know Norse mythology, you know there's nine realms. And uh, you're going to be going to a few of them, I think. And uh, you know, there's, there's the whole element of the Bifrost and like kind of the traveling between worlds. There's a lot more to this game than you might think. Um, it's certainly one of the best. You know, I'm I don't know how far in like percentage-wise I am on, I am on this game. I have no idea where they're going with it. Um, certainly feels like I haven't done a lot of the things that would be naturally expected to be done in this story, but we'll see what happens. But what I'm, I, it's some of the, it's one of the best 60 bucks I've spent all year. Yeah. I'll tell you that much already. I'll tell you what really blows my mind about this game is all the things that got me to enjoy and buy God of War games in the past. Um, the accessible combat, the over-the-top boss fights with gigantic creatures, the insanely, almost sickly detailed gore, almost all of those things are gone in this game. Like there, like, there are scenes where you finish off these gigantic monsters, and in prior God of War games, you'd see, like, the spine come out and, like, mm -hmm. the main artery, like, flail around. Like, they've toned all that stuff down. I have not fought a gigantic boss yet. I fought bosses and mini bosses, but they weren't like these creatures the size of like a mountain. And like, if you had told me before I played this game that that was going to be the case, I'd be like, oh, well, what? Well, then I'm probably not going to like it. But nothing could be further from the truth. Like, this game has a, uh, I mean, we are talking about souls in video games earlier. This game has a freaking soul. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like God of War games did before. I feel like they were vapid, highly entertaining, but vapid experiences. Mm -hmm. And this game just has more of a, a groove to it like you settle in with this game and uh, kind of get more absorbed into the world than you did in prior god of war games um we'll talk about the combat in a minute but i mean the combat has just been massively overhauled and in so many good ways um the axe it's so funny when i heard he had an axe i'm like oh that doesn't it should really doesn't register with me axe uh mm -hmm. sword whatever does it really matter well now i see like the axe was chosen because you can throw an axe and that becomes a huge part of the mm -hmm. gameplay like when i first started playing i was an idiot using the, the axe like i just didn't even <laughs> think to use it because i'm not used to throwing melee weapons in games and so like at first like if i fought an enemy that i needed to use like projectiles for i would literally just sit there and let the sun just like chip him down to nothing and then i'd jump in and finish him off or whatever 
Like later on, I'm like, what am I doing? I can throw the axe and use it like it's a gun. Mm -hmm. And once I started doing that, it completely changed the whole game for me. Um, just and I don't think there's, there are a few things in this game that are more satisfying than pulling off, because eventually once you upgrade enough, you can throw the axe in the middle of combos and get it back. And like, of course yeah. the axe can hit things on the way back to you. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if there's anything more satisfying in this game when you hack a bunch of guys up, kill a bunch of dudes, throw it over here, kill it, and then you, you at the end of the fight, when everything's done, you hit the triangle button and pull that axe back and it just goes shunk <laughs> oh, back I into know, his hand. Dude. I and know, dude. I know it. It's like the weight and the meat it of this game so is crazy. It feels so so right, dude. And I love it, I love it too when you're in the middle of a fight with a bunch of enemies and you've tossed your axe axe out and while the axe is out you're using your hand-to-hand -hand stuff in your shield mm -hmm. and then like mid-blow the axe comes in and goes whoop, like right back mm -hmm. into your hand and you just oh it just feels so good yeah. and there's later on there's an actual there's some skills you can get that like you don't you no longer have to wait for the catch the catch becomes oh, really? another hit in the combo it's there, there's there's a lot and like you get like pause combos where you know, where like where you, you hit hit and then you stop for a second and then then the, the rest of the combo becomes a different combo than what if you just kept hammering the button like there's a lot and like you know you get more distance on things and like you get, I mean the combat in this is really good like, like you can tell they took some cues from Dark Souls you can yeah. tell they took some cues from uh, from the old games as well but like it's still approachable and it's still um, understandable and you can you can get through it like the kid is a good asset as well like you through upgrades and sort of you can be you know, strategic you, you with can be strategic but like, like you, you can use him to distract enemies yeah, you can hack your way through it if you need but you can get real fancy if you I don't think to. you could just hack your way through this game I think you can really it's, it's once you upgrade the axe a little bit like it does some pretty damn good damage maybe eventually but the early part of this game you definitely cannot hack your way through it I mean you just the enemies do too much damage they are too smart for you to just hack your way through it. Um, the combat in this game is so much better. It's not as flashy as the old God of War games. It mm -hmm. just feels way more realistic and way more real, way more impactful, uh, way more satisfying, most importantly. Yeah, I mean, you're not strangling centaurs with their own intestines anymore. Nope. Um, there are some gory moments, like, you know, when, uh, you know, there's a, the, like when you kill ogres, sometimes you rip their jaws open and stuff like that. But like, there's nothing on the level of like in God of War three where you rip Helios's head off slowly, as no. it's, as or it's where you would like disembowel yeah. enemies right. and like their innards would fall out. Like it's just not nowhere near as yeah. gratuitous. Now as... part of that is because a lot of Norse mythology things are made of stone. Yeah, like uh, like even a lot like, of the enemies don't really have blood. They right. have they're like, like lava, lava inside and, like, them. Yeah, they're on fire. Like yeah. you know, they're, they're they're weird ethereal things. Like. Yep. Um, like really the ogres and the trolls are the only things that have like real blood in them so far and I know people were like freaking out in early footage where it's like oh my god they changed the blood to orange well the blood is orange because the things you're fighting are like lava people yeah, basically like yeah. it's it varies what color things are. And there's a lot more puzzle solving in this than any oh, other. Oh yeah game. we should talk about there's a lot more puzzle solving in this game. I was like shocked I mean and that's another thing that, that's another thing that the axe is used for a lot yeah. is puzzles. Puzzle solving and the and the bow eventually like you know it's it's very Metroid in that you it yeah, really is yeah you you get uh, various upgrades that then let you do these things or like it teaches you how to do something different with the axe sometimes um, early on it's and it's funny because like early on you start running into these certain ch chests or like areas that you can't get past because there's a thing blocking you're like well how do I get through I must not have that item yet and it turns out later you do have all you need to do is throw the axe you just didn't know what you had to throw the axe at yet yeah. and it teaches you that later and then you come back and there's all the stuff you can access there's a learning curve with the axe because when I yeah. first started playing it I just totally forgot to call it back 
Yeah, I kept doing that. I would that throw way. it out because I've never played a game before where you throw a weapon out and then you have to call it back to you. And so I would throw the axe and I go into like a melee with a bunch of enemies and I'm like, wait a minute, I'm beating these guys with my fists and my shield. Where's my all? Oh. And then mm -hmm. I have to hold the triangle and it would come back to me. It takes a while before you get into the swing of it. But once you do, man, it is it plays like no other game, mm -hmm. which is hard to say in 2018. And the different ways, you, can, like, you know, obviously the axe is useful as a projectile, but eventually you learn to like, oh, if I hit certain enemies, if I hit them with it, they freeze in place until yep. I pull the axe out of them. Yep. And so like that can like buy you some time to hammer on another guy while they're doing that. You pull the axe back to you in the middle of that combo. The guy who was frozen needs a moment to recover because you just pulled the axe at him and hurt him again. Yeah. Um, you can, if you're close enough to a wall, you can pin him to the wall with the axe. Like, and you get extra points for that. Like it's, it's, uh, there's a lot to it. It's and, really and I didn't crazy. expect it. I mean, you know, because there is, there is a way that this game sort of feels like the current, the new Tomb Raiders and sort of that sort of Oh, it definitely you know. feels like Kratos Raider. Yeah, like that kind yeah. of like the character is very large, the camera's near the ground, like yeah. the, the environments are big and sort of like you have to, sometimes you have to sort of figure out like, okay, what, where's the cliff I can climb to get out of the area? But like the combat in this is beyond it really is any other entry in this sort of subgenre. Uh, it's it's. It and then was, I mean, we haven't even started talking about. It was like, really it's it, the combat I was expecting to be kind of functional and right. passable, and it's not. It's no, just it's, it goes beyond. That. It's on par with like a good fighting game in places. Yeah, and then there's other things that you get that like just like, extrapolate on it more. Like you can get abilities to like recover, recover your health. Like there's mm -hmm. kind of there's like magic in the game. It's. This game is awesome, people. Uh, don't watch us anymore. Go buy this game right now yeah, before you should, your store closes. <laughs> yeah, you really shouldn't. Like, and I, you know, was it? I think it was was it Greg Miller said like, if you intend to buy this game, like, just don't watch it. Just go do it and don't watch anything because you don't want to know. I'm like, he's right. Like, yeah. don't be as surprised as you can by this game. And I'm, I'm not a like, oh no, spoilers person. Yeah. Like, I'm like, like, cause the other thing is like. Stuff happens in this game where, like, you don't know that's what's going to happen. Like, like it, it, you can't. I'm, I'm very good at predicting story swerves, and and like, I don't know. I know Norse mythology very well. For instance, like early on, there's an early early on in the game. There's a big fight, which is one of the greatest superhero fights in the history of video games. Agreed. I don't know any other way to put it. Superhero yeah. fight. <laughs> it really is. And I knew who. It actually reminds me of that old comic I've talked about before called Destroy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I uh, and I thought um, it is very similar to Destroy. Uh -huh. That's that big, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it is. Um, or like if you like the the fight between Iron Man and Thor in the first yeah. Avengers. Yeah, that's it's, a good it's analogy a like too. That. Um, but I, because I know Norse mythology well enough, I knew who that was. I had no, I still and have like, no idea who he is. But it's great that like. You know, it doesn't matter if you know who he is. Like, it, it's just—it's an interesting setup. It's just a great story. fight. It's, it's the yeah. catalyst that gets the story going, really. Um, but the fact that I knew who that was after that was like, oh, that's really cool. So I'm kind of like my Norse mythology knowledge is sort of battling with like what I know about how this story is kind of playing out. To be like, oh, where are they going to go next? What's going to happen now? Like, that's a really interesting kind of intellectual game to play with yourself if you know this material already. And even if you don't know this material already. Like, it's interesting because, like, the designs are so big and over-the-top and crazy. And, like, it's just the same, you know, like, it was, you know, the Colossus of Rhodes is not a particularly interesting statue, except when you have to fight a giant version of it at the beginning of God of War Two, yeah. And that kind of spectacle is still there. It's just not quite as... I mean, it's almost like this game is, like, the grown-up father version of the other old games you know like the yeah. old games were like kind of the adolescent crazy person like raging party maniac and this game is like the stoic kratos dad it's like yes the lake is very pretty 
that is a very impressive giant serpent sun. But like, <laughs> let's just paddle for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot recommend this game highly enough. The only person I would not recommend, well, actually, two, two groups. Kids. Kids should not play this game. And people who only like to play multiplayer. And other mm. than that, I recommend this game to everybody. It is all that and five bags of chips. I uh, cannot wait to end this show so I can go mm. home and play it some more. I'm gonna this whole weekend. All I'm gonna do is play God of War. And if you have a pro, uh, a lot of the options are a little buried. They don't kind of call them out to you. And if you have a pro, get into those options and under I think it's under display or graphics and or gameplay. And was it was kind of weird in a weird place. Change it to performance mode because uh, there's two there's different modes. Uh, and resolution mode makes it like go high, like high res or whatever, full 4K supposedly. But it's like sub 30 frames a second. If you go to performance mode, it's not a locked 60 frames per second. But it's higher than 30 most of the time. It feels really smooth, and that's yeah. definitely helps during the combat uh, a lot. So I would say if you have a if you're playing this on a pro, switch it to performance mode early on because it doesn't seem to tell you that. I had to dig in there and figure it out during one of the early fights. Yeah, because um, I'm like I was like, oh, this is because you can tell it's it's dropping like it's gorgeous in either mode. It doesn't matter. It runs like run, it doesn't run at 60 on the base PS4. I'm playing on the base PS4, mm-hmm. uh, but it stays solid. Yeah, it doesn't stutter. It never the, slows down. Yeah, but the four like the the resolution mode on Pro like you can see it even like in the you know the opening title screen where he chops the tree down like you can see it. Oh really? Dip a little bit, wow. and I was like, "Oh, this got to change." Like this, game. <laughs> I tried it, and I'm just like, "No, I need, I need the higher frame rate." Yeah, I, I mean, always I pick the higher I, frame rate. I, I try not to ever compare games to other games, but I think it's very useful for people to give them a frame of reference. And to me, this game is uh, the combat's a lot like like the Soul series, but it's not quite as unforgiving. Mm-hmm. The level design is very much like. Metroid. Well, early on, your life bar is so short. That yeah, it is. Couple of first. couple of mistakes in a row, and you're in you, trouble. You die. Yeah. But it, you get past that pretty quickly. Right. The checkpointing is but very... But the weight, the way it feels in the combat feels like Souls. The level design is like Metroid. It's not an open world game. It is kind of a controlled environment, mm-hmm. but there are areas where it kind of cracks open. Yeah, there's open. big areas. There's places to explore and discover. And there's reasons to go back to areas yeah. that you were already at before. Um, RPG element-wise, to me, is very similar to Tomb Raider in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even a little more robust than Tomb I would Raider. Say more. Tomb Raider doesn't have, have the skill tree right. flexibility. I mean, I does. was shocked at how deep the skill trees went. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I never. I mean, you're dealing you're dealing with the skill trees for the different weapons and the two different characters and armor and equipment and modifications for all all both characters and, you can and all craft the different all elements. Stuff, you you're craft everything. Resources. You can upgrade everything. Yep. Like, which is actually one of the funnier, like, kind of character-driven things in this, where, like, the kid is behaves a lot like your standard RPG protagonist, where he wants to run around and see everything and figure out why everything is the way it is and help anybody that needs help. And Kratos is like, we are here to find ways to help our journey. Like, we, yeah. we don't care about anyone else. We are, and, like, so, like... But the kid does Kratos, do that. He'll point out things that you oh, yeah. missed. Also, the game, like, it's so funny. Like, there, there's that one... Um, mission early in the game where you have to find the three seals to open up the coffin Mm -hmm. and I could not find the third seal. I went all the way like to the end of the level, came all the way back and I noticed as I was walking back the camera tips up and actually shows me Mm -hmm. where the seal is. Like just so many little touches like that in this game. It's so polished. It's so good people. Like if you have a PlayStation 4 just go buy this. Like I, I cannot think of a game in recent memory I have so wholeheartedly would recommend to a purchase to almost anybody. It is mm-hmm. 
that good. Yeah, I think this is the first the first game of the year. I, I said this to one of my other friends on text today, uh, where I, I said this is the first game of the year where I'm like, of 2018, where I'm like, if you're willing to hold a controller, play it. Yep. I am freaking loving it. And Unless, as you said, uh, you only play multiplayer. Yeah. Then it's probably not going to do it. Or if you're player. a child, which you're, it's too late. If you're a child, I don't know what you're watching. Yeah, I don't know what you're still up. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, double, double thumbs up from Game Face. It is as good as the reviews say it is, yeah. um, without a doubt. And I can't believe it, but I yeah. can't either. <laughs> I really can't either. Like I was, it's the I'm, same studio that made the prior games. Yeah, I was sitting. I mean, I'm it's not sitting like it was there. handed to a new studio. I mean, I'm sitting there playing this like last night uh, or the day before, and I'm like. And I'm like, okay, well, when we talk about this on the show, we're going to talk about because I know Shane's going to want to talk about, like, you know, what would you change? Would you, and I'm just like, what would you, you know, and I'm like, I can't think of I anything. Can't I can't either. Everything's <laughs> fucking great. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Uh, it feels good to be this giddy over a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really, it seems like it's been a long time since I've played a game yeah. like this where I was just... And it was even able to get to me with my kind of like, because I, I kind of sat down with this game and I'm like, okay, 10 out of 10 for my GN God yeah. of War. Let's go. Well, like, when you hit out like, prove 10 it. 10s a year or whatever. Yeah. Like, prove it to me. Like, yeah. let's see it. And like, they, they, got, they yeah. got it right this time. Like, two hours in, I'm just like, okay, yeah. Like, <laughs> go get they, it, they people. got it. Go get it. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about And if you about... don't have a PlayStation, think about it. Yeah, sell your like, Xbox and go buy one. <laughs> like, really? Like, think of, I mean, between this and Spider-Man, you're yeah. going to need one of these this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like I, having a Switch last year. Like, yeah. two, I, I can't two very important games. More highly than I am. In fact, we'll be talking about this game again. I guarantee yeah. it. We'll talk about it next week. And yeah, I think if you need, if you want to be game literate for 2018, you're going to need to play this. Play it. Yep, absolutely. So there you go. There's our first impressions of God of War. They won't be the last, uh, but I think we did our job in try and convincing you that you should definitely go and spend sixty dollars yeah. on this. The game. hype is real, and I'm disappointed if you're still here. Yep. Like you should be you should be buying. I mean, Wait, I'm sure... we have a trailer of the week, Matt, that people can't miss. Is it God of War? It's not. Well then what the hell? <laughs> it is time for our trailer of the week. Uh, it's also your opportunity to get some questions into the chat. If there's anybody left on this stream that hasn't run out to Walmart or Target to get this thing, uh, our trailer of the week this week, there was actually a lot of good trailers. God of War's launch trailer was out there, the Shemmy trailer was out there, but obviously we had to show that for the segment. Um, Here's a little under-the-radar game franchise that I've always appreciated, probably more than I should, Serious Sam. Serious Sam for the, the definition of the circle strafe shooter. Also um, kind of like known as Duke Nukem, but not embarrassing. Well, I don't know. Serious Sam could be a little embarrassing, too. Serious Sam is silly, but it's not, like, gross. No, that's a good way to put it, I guess. Um, but I've always had a soft spot in my heart for this franchise, and they just finally showed the new trailer uh, for the fourth installment. I can't believe there's been four of these games. Or, well, there, yeah, it's there, been there a will long be. Time. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, here it is the debut trailer for Serious Sam 4. Like that cheap knockoff of Born to be Wild. 
And it's a budget title. You know you're working yeah. in a small studio when you can't get the rights for Born to be Wild. So Man, that's like thirty grand right now. So there. it's cheaper to just pay some yeah. garage band to make like a facsimile of it or whatever. It's probably like that, that the that band is probably made up of like team members. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's probably like, like their band that they have yeah. on the weekends or whatever. Uh let's see, let's get to some questions here. Uh wow, we're almost at three hours already. So we're gonna take a few. Um, here's one from W. Matthew. What do you think of the mess of a release that surrounded the PC version of Chrono Trigger? And more interestingly, under pressure, Square Enix is legitimately fixing it. What do you think of the whole situation? Uh, I think that's par for the course. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of Japanese publishers and developers, their games go on Steam or on PC, and they're either awful ports or it's a mobile version that they ported yeah. over well, to the Square PC. Square in particular is guilty of that. You're right. Above yeah. I mean, the Final Fantasy VI on PC is atrocious. It's not acceptable at all. I think they. Might, I don't remember if they fixed that or not. Chrono Trigger. I mean, I, I love Chrono Trigger. I was Chrono Trigger is probably my favorite Super Nintendo game. Um, I think a lot of people would agree with that. And it's certainly the best RPG Square's ever made. Uh, except that was Enix. Uh, so, I don't know about that. Uh, I would put it above every Final Fantasy. And, uh, yeah, pretty much everything. Chrono Trigger is one of the best RPGs ever made. No, I agree with that. But you start talking about some of uh, Square Enix, well, just Square's SNES output. Maybe splitting hairs, I guess. Yeah, I, there's nothing else that compares to it except maybe Final Fantasy VI. And I would probably give Chrono Trigger the nod because I like the music in Chrono Trigger better. But I'm a big uh, Mitsuda fanboy. Chrono Trigger also had subject matter that was outside the box a little bit. Yeah. Pushed the envelope it was, it a little was, bit. It was some daring things. I mean, I don't even say, I, I don't even, I hate Akira Toriyama's artwork, but I still love Chrono Trigger because it transcends all that. Yeah. Uh, so I was super excited to buy a nice PC version of it and, oops, it was garbage. Yeah. Um, but when they fix it, I'll probably pick it up. What are they fixing? Um, you know, it was visual stuff and I can't quite remember what it, why, what the problem was. Uh, it was just, it was literally one of those things where like, I was like, oh, Chrono Trigger's out. And it was just like this tweet storm of like, do not buy Chrono Trigger, it's fucked <laughs> up. Um, maybe the chat can remind us what it was. Because I, all I remember was like, oh, they screwed it up again? I'll just, I'll forget it. Like, I don't need it. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, the Legacy. Is God of War the game of the generation so far? I don't know, I haven't finished it yet. Yeah, I haven't finished it yet, I can't say that. Um, it's... Tracking that way. I mean, it's 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 in the conversation. Yeah. No, I mean, no so question. far, unless it takes falls off a cliff at some point, I mean, it is walking that path right now. I guess mm -hmm. is the best way to put it. It is on the path to the top of the mountain. It is. <laughs> yeah. When you play it, you'll know what, what that meant. Um, Jerry Vic Seven has the output across first and third party this generation been the lowest in the history of modern video games. Is there a particular reason we're nearly halfway through a cycle with very little from Bethesda, Gearbox, Rockstar, Capcom, etc.? It doesn't feel like much less. Well, I, there are I, less games. Absolutely, there are less I games. I agree that this, the output from those companies has been... Actually, not even because Bethesda has put out a ton of stuff, just no one bought it. Yeah. Uh, you mean like literally internally developed Bethesda productions? I mean, they put out Fallout Yeah, Bethesda's 4. been fine. I think it's, its output's been great. It, uh, well, the, out, it, the output has been steady. I don't know if I'd call it great. Um, I didn't like, Fallout. Kind of the I didn't like, like. Fallout 4. Yeah. I just thought Fallout 4 was a complete dud. I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't think it was amazeballs. So I'm kind of waiting. I'm <laughs> waiting for them to make something as good as Skyrim again, basically. Yeah. Which probably will happen with the next Elder Scrolls know. game. Or whatever this Starfield thing is. Oh, yeah. I totally about. forgot about that game. Yeah. 
It's what happens when you don't talk about something for Well, I'm beginning to wonder if I should have put that on my draft list. You think that'll come out this year? I'm beginning to wonder if that has a better shot at being this year's game than Elder Scrolls VI. Yeah, but I don't know. But we'll that's a roll, kind of rolls like that now. Um, in general, and I think not just this generation, but eh, maybe a little bit of last generation, there are just less games coming out, period. And, mm-hmm. I mean, that void's being filled by tons of indies, which never existed before. Right. But if you look at, like, the total number of games released per year and compare, like, the PlayStation 2 to the PlayStation 4, not counting indie stuff, it's, there's, I mean, the PlayStation 2 destroys it. Yeah, I don't know why I wouldn't count indie stuff, though. Yeah, well, indies didn't really exist back then. No, you but can it, make but they do game. now, and they kind of have taken the place of that B and C list sort of slot that we used to get from Koei all the time. Yeah, I don't know what's better, like a a pretty good game that lasts five to ten hours, or a mediocre game that lasts twenty or thirty. Uh, I'd take the former. Yeah, like I'd I'd rather play Night in the Woods and its ilk than I don't know, Samurai Psyops. Psyops or I like Psyops. But, but see, there's a lot of games like that say back then. Though. Sight. The second sight. <laughs> the other psychic. But game. there used to be lots of games like that though that were just like these kind of unique ideas like. I don't know. Red Faction was kind of like that. Like these yeah. games that were just like the B level weren't quite like big budget AAA, but yeah, had a unique I, concept I or whatever. I feel like the indie stuff has more or less taken that, filled that gap for me uh, in, in ways that I, I don't miss that sort of, I don't miss the shovelware very much, really. Capcom's output has been terrible, though. Yeah. Capcom, absolutely, you nailed it by calling them out. I mean, their output has been yeah. I mean, anemic. I, the it's only probably thing, being generous. I mean, the only thing I think they haven't completely screwed up is Monster Hunter World. Um, I guess they've tried, they've more or less made good on Street Fighter V, but like that game is never going to come out from under the shadow of how it launched. Yeah, I don't think we were even talking about quality, though. It's just quantity. Like Capcom yeah. just has not released a ton of games this generation. It's just been very, very mm-hmm. slow, especially if you compare it to last gen or even the generation before. It's... Seems like it's slowed down a yeah, lot. they got a few. I mean, what, they had Dead Rising 4 and... Uh, Did Capcom publish that or Microsoft? I thought Capcom published 4. I don't know. I Microsoft published 3. I can't remember now. <laughs> I don't either. But it tells you how unmemorable the games were. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with you. I think the output's been lower. I think the indies have kind of filled in the holes a little bit for in a lot of cases. Um, Killzone 310, 420 stories. Uh... The 1G, I'm going to buy God of War 4 right now because of you guys. You will not regret it. I promise you. Uh, the Legacy, have you played Nintendo Labo? No. Have you played it? Nope. Just went out to the press this week. I did not get it. came it. out today. Um, I don't intend to buy it, so... Wait, did it release today? Yeah. Oh, it's in stores today? Yeah. Oh, I thought it... Wow. That just went right over my head. Unless I don't I'm, know how I missed Unless that. I'm completely out in crazy town. I thought, I, I, I've been under the impression that that and God of War both came out today. I did. I had told you, you're right though. It was 420. I just completely slipped my mind for some reason. Have smoke a blunt and make some cardboard. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> I think a lot of people are probably doing that right now. <laughs> Smoking blunts and folding cardboard. <laughs> it's a good Friday night. <laughs> that is freaking funny. Uh, let's see. Oh, if the Flyers somehow win games six and seven, I just saw that they lost. I checked the, the Penguins lost. I checked the score during the trailer of the week. I was disappointed to see that. But if somehow the Flyers win games six and seven, would you wear a Flyers jersey shirt or anything? Hell no. <laughs> oh, you would never catch me wearing a Flyers anything. Other teams maybe, but I hate the Flyers more than... Any, not even just hockey team, any 
athletic sport team anywhere. I cannot think of another team I detest more than the Philadelphia Flyers. He won't even sign up for, for frequent flyer programs. <laughs> yeah. I hate the Flyers, Do the Flyers man. have a single-syllable nickname? Isn't that like a rule in hockey? You have to have a... Well, there's like pens for the Penguins. Pens and... The Flyers really don't, though. They don't have, uh -uh. So they can't even do that right. <laughs> yeah. okay. The Flyers used to be really freaking dirty. They've kind of changed the way they play now, but I can't forget. Uh, let's answer one more. Um, well, maybe we don't have any more. Uh, any game in particular you're looking forward to possibly playing at E3? That's from Vox91. That's uh, the last one. I'd like to, I don't know if they'll have it playable, but I would like to play Spider-Man. Anthem, for me. There's oh, so many questions for me about Anthem. It's I like... I, that, that, that's not going to be playable. I, I bet that's not going to be playable. I, he just asked which one I want to play. Yeah. And that's what well, I, I, I mean, Maybe. Well, no, EA said it is going to be playable. Already at their EA Play event. They already you announced know, it. Yeah. Have fun in that line. Um... That's what I want to play, because after Andromeda, I want to know what's going on at Bioware. Can they mm -hmm. recapture the magic? Is this game going to try to soak me for every microtransaction dollar that it can? Well, yes, probably. But, I was just, I just but have... it's not the same people that made Andromeda. No, so. I know. I know. But still, it's, it's the Bioware imprint. That means something. To me, anyway. Used to. Yeah. Well, I think it can again. That's, that's yeah. why I want to check it out. So... Um, that, for Certainly me, Anthem. Anthem has a better chance of bringing that back than another Dragon Age. Yeah. I mean, uh, of everything that's announced right now, that's the one game for me. I think Spider-Man is probably the thing I'm most curious about just in terms of I, I want to feel how the web swinging works. Feel how, feel how it feels. I, I didn't word that right. but <laughs> Feel how it feels. But I, I, that, That's my big remaining question is like, how does it feel to swing through the city like that? And that, uh, hopefully they'll have some playables up for that. Because like... You never know with Sony. They, sometimes they do that. Sony is the king of, Sony, no, that's not out on the yeah, floor. Like, you have to go to some private room. And, yeah, like, chances God are. God of War wasn't on the floor in yeah, E3 Horizon was never on the floor. Yeah. Like, it was just it was just a giant bill, like a billboard. They have, like, they have those three theaters, you know, yep. right next to each other. And you just kind of go in and walk down the line. I think last year it was... Uh, uh, and then if you're an E3 no, judge, they'll let you, they'll put the controller in your hand for a minute so, to see, prove move, that the demo prove actually playable. plays. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, that's how it works. Yeah, so it was. It's usually like God. What was it? God of War and Days Gone and yeah. yeah. There's a game. It's <laughs> speaking of gone. Yeah, yeah. What the hell? Well, do you think we'll see that at E3 in some form? Like even mm, just that's like a, a good trailer question. or something. I think so. Just like, I mean, it's been around for so long. You can't just act like it doesn't exist because it was delayed. Because we kind of still haven't seen just footage of it playing yeah like like what are you doing in the game kind of like what's the gameplay yeah like? we've seen kind of like these little setups little slices of yeah. it, but we still haven't seen sort of anything that gives you an idea of what's like, the loop here, here's what it feels like to just play the game for 10 minutes what's the gameplay loop yeah that's the big x factor um so that's it for game face episode 125 we're both gonna go home and i'm gonna put on my kratos sweatshirt before mm. i sit down and play some more god of war you guys should all get off of this stream and go buy or play God of War. If, if you've bought it already, play or it. Or go not, join one of the 200,000 people watching it on Twitch. Or you could do that. No, do not do that. Play it for yourself. Don't well, we watch got some somebody people, else play it. We got it. some people in the chat that refuse to buy a console. So You're missing out. You That's are, all I got to say. But if you're not going to do that, you should experience it somehow. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really good game. So enjoy that this weekend. Uh, before we go, uh, Twitch Prime. It's the 20th, and we'll start promoting this on the site again as it gets near the end of the month. But for most of you guys, your subscription should have turned over, uh, so we'd really appreciate it. 
Uh, if you could, uh, first of all, link your Twitch and your Amazon Prime accounts and then subscribe to us through Twitch Prime. Uh, folks on YouTube who are watching this for free, I think we've gotten pretty good about putting this up on YouTube within five days after it goes up for our patrons. Um, if you guys cannot afford to support us in any way and you watch Game Face and you watch Pactor Factor, man, you guys could make a world of difference for us if you subscribe to us through Twitch Prime. It's a free $2.50 a month just for having an Amazon Prime subscription. Um, we would really, really appreciate it. And hopefully you guys feel like you're getting some value out of uh, the content we're putting up on YouTube. Um, and I think that's it. I think next week, it might be our last episode in this studio. It would have to be. Yeah, because it'll We're be the 27th. The yeah, and then the, the 4th is the last day in the studio. So make sure you tune in last week as we bid Bon Voyage. Uh, I have and some champagne. Are you going to do some kind of like... Packing up live stream. I am, and stuff. absolutely. Like, yeah, I so just, it'll be the last game phase. won't be the last time you see right. the studio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll be back in here when I'm like packing all this crap up and I'll just do an IRL stream and you guys can hang out with me and watch me like take this thing down and <laughs> pack up all of our stuff. Pack up all the grease paint and the take down the big top and move on to the next town. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> Don't worry, little buddy. There'll be other circuses. Yeah. So uh, thanks everybody on the stream. Uh, thanks for watching us on Patreon, on Sifted, on YouTube. We love you guys very much. Game Face is up and out.